Trek Geeks is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the world's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your smartphone. Keep listening for a special Trek Geeks discount code when you adopt a new Tribble at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Michelle Specht. I play Dr. Elise McKenna on Star Trek Continues. Oh my god, I'm totally fangirling right now because I just met Dan Davidson and Bill Smith of the Trek Geeks podcast. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. From the Podfleet Command Time Travel Division, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, one and all, and welcome to Trek Geeks. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. We're so glad you're here. This is the flagship of the Star Trek Podcast Network for your fandom, and you are in the exact right place, because fandom and Star Trek are what we are all about. And of course, by we, I do mean my illustrious co-host, and I, and let me give you a little tip. If you're ever traveling with this individual, you know, out of state, whatever, and you happen to be splitting a hotel room, opt for two rooms. That's all I'm going to say. Um, he is the <laughs> he's the very imitable Dan Davidson. Uh, Dan, um, Aaron Neville called. He, he's about to issue a cease and desist. I'm glad you're explaining why you should get two rooms because that could have gone in a whole bunch of different directions. I haven't really though, if you think. Uh, about no, it. yeah, I was singing, people. I was singing. <laughs> no, thanks for thanks for the intro, man. That was mostly pretty good. I appreciate that. Um, that is the that is the best backhanded compliment you've ever given me. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked the I liked from the time travel offices. That's very good. Time Thank- warp. We're going backwards and done. I was going to say the Department of Temporal Investigations, but there's nothing to investigate here. We traveled in time. We loved it. We did. We did love it. It's going to, and, and now we get to uh, allow our listeners to show, to hear just how much we loved it as we uh, uh, finish up something that we started quite a while ago. Uh, four and a half years ago. Unbelievable. So four years ago, we had our landmark 100th episode, A Journey to Futures Past Part 1. It was an audio documentary of uh, the first day of our trip to Kingsland, Georgia, and the sets of Star Trek Continues, when that fan film series was still um, actively in production. Mm-hmm. And we had always intended to produce Part 2, and we'll talk about why that didn't happen later on, but I look at this episode as we are writing a wrong um, that... That, that we committed and um, finally telling the other half of that trip. 
Yeah, and I think it'll be it'll be great uh, for everyone to hear uh, all the different things that we did. Um, and, and and how can it really be righting a wrong when you're in it, Bill? Because it's always so right. So I'm just gonna leave it like that. Because what do you, know, you need? I don't. I just you know. You're being nice to me. Usually it comes with an ask of some kind. It's times like this when you're reflecting on things and we're, we're going back in time to talk about this episode that you, that you really appreciate what you got. So. Especially on days like these. I, I, can, I can't even give you crap for that. Yeah, I know. I, wow. I, See, now you made me look like the big jerk I am. Can I borrow? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what you can borrow is ah. the contact information to give to our dear listeners and how they can get in touch with us. I'd love to do that. If you're looking to get in touch with us, you can head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and you will find a multitude of ways to communicate with us. There is Skype chat. There's email. There's voicemail by way of that big blue button using SpeakPipe. Whatever way you want to contact us, just make it so, because we love hearing from you. Plus, there's also the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook. It's called Camp Kinnemer. It is our official group, and it's where over 1,700, hundy, I almost said hundy, uh, (laughs) gather to talk Trek. It's always positive with no bashing or gatekeeping ever allowed. To join the group, just head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, Sarah, and Dan for the stellar job they do running the camp. But please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode, Bill. Wow. I don't know Mm. how we got Arnold Schwarzenegger for this show, but man, what a get. You know, we're getting all kinds of great stars these days, so I figured, why not Arnold? You know, that is the best segue you have ever accomplished, because it takes us into our very special announcement that we released on YouTube and on social media just late last week, and that is that, Dan, you and I will be joined by Star Trek legend Jonathan Frakes, one night only, June 11th, live on Facebook and YouTube, for a discussion to benefit Feeding America's COVID-19 Response Fund. Um, Jonathan has great, agreed to do this because uh, we're doing it just for charity. We're hoping to raise a whole bunch of money and feed a whole bunch of people, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's amazing to me. You've talked about this on social media, and it still blows my mind that every dollar that is used for this charity, Feeding America, every dollar is 10 meals, if Ten. I'm not mistaken. Ten. That's unbelievable to think of, that that money is used in such a good way that it can help so many people. So we're going to have this conversation with Jonathan, and we're going to try to raise as much money as possible because there are so many people suffering right now with the pandemic and and being out of work and having to deal with with um, family that they could be sick or they're scared and, and everybody's isolated. This is our way that we can do something good for those people and help them. And, and if we can do just the slightest thing to help, I'm all for it. And to be able to have Jonathan Frakes join us to have a conversation to help raise that money is just going to be icing on the cake, brother. It really is. You know, this is a case where small donations, you know, have huge impact. $1 is 10 meals. $5 is 50 meals. 10 bucks is 100 meals. That's 100 people who, may not, who, who will get a meal that they may not have gotten that day. Mm-hmm. And that that's real impact. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, this isn't about Trek Geeks. This isn't about Jonathan Frakes. This is about trying to do as much good as possible because there are people out there who need it. And that's what this fandom is wired for. 
So please head on out to trekgeeks.com slash donate. You can find out information. You can learn where you can view the live stream. You can actually donate to the campaign right now before the live stream. And yeah. uh, we're already halfway past our first goal, uh, which is just, uh, it, uh, I get broken up thinking about it. It's amazing to me because as I said a minute ago, so many people are going through very hard times right now. And yet people still feel that what is in their heart is more important uh, what the how they feel about others is more important about the how the things are going on for themselves and we're seeing donations come in already and it really is something that makes you sit back and go wow there really is good in the world when at times you don't think there's a chance that there's any good out there anywhere so we are eternally grateful for everyone who has already donated we look forward to having many more donations come in so that we can help these people we are not going to see one single penny from this in any way shape or form we're not going to it's not going to come through us it's going directly um, to that organization um, so that they can uh, get those meals out to people well and <laughs> that that's a great point. I mean, feeding America is going to directly benefit from this, which is amazing. You know, this is a time that is incredibly uncertain. There are plenty of reports of food insecurity and that's what we're trying to help with. So, um more importantly, if you can't donate, if you are not in a position to donate right now, believe us, mm-hmm. we understand that is 100% fine. Yep. Watch the live stream and enjoy yourself because that's yes. the other reason why we're doing this. There are plenty of folks out there who are not in the position to donate and we get it. We we don't want to put anybody under a, a greater burden. Come and enjoy yourself. Enjoy the discussion because Jonathan is, is, is amazing. He is a great conversation and we just want people to maybe get an hour or so away yep. from everything going on. Well, what have we always talked about here on the podcast? I know I did this. I know you did as a kid. Star Trek was our escape. And even as adults, it's our escape. So we're going to do it in a way that it's still Star Trek, and it can be that escape when things are tough right now with everything going on with the pandemic and the riots and everything like that. Have an hour with two idiots and Jonathan Frakes. What more fun could that be? And it's <laughs> for a good right. cause. That's right. So trekgeeks.com slash donate. You can get all the information there. And of course, if you have any questions, let us know. Dan, it's that time of the show that really has become not only a staple of Trek Geeks, but quite honestly, really one of our favorite moments each week. It's the time we get to talk about our wonderful friends over at Fansets, the whole gang, and yes, even Joe. <laughs> I mean, you know, he does he does a great blog over at Fansets.com each month, and we highly recommend you check it out for all the latest news in the world of Fansets. Yeah, he really does a great job on that blog. Dare I say, it's a Fansets-tastic blog. <laughs> Anyway, no. Uh, okay. Uh, he lets everybody know what's on tap for the month. And I got to say, man, the beginning of June really shaped up to be quite incredible. Earlier this month, the folks at Fansets released season three, Michael Burnham. I'm going to stop right there. You heard me right. The season of Discovery has not even started yet, but Fansets has you covered. She is ready to add your cart right now, along with the sinister looking Section 31, Philippa Georgiou. As always, these pins are of the highest quality and detail, and you will not be disappointed. But wait, there's more. 
And this one's freaking awesome, my friend. We all know what a huge success season one of Picard was. And now you can have your very own Fenris Ranger calling card in the off chance that you need Seven of Nine to swoop in and save the day for you. It's beautiful. And I really got to say, Bill, that the logo pins that Fansets has been doing lately are just out of this world. No pun intended. They really are, man. But what else would you expect from Fansets? They are the cream of the crop when it comes to Star Trek collectibles or any other genre for that matter. Oh, I don't know, like Batman 66. The initial launch of this great line of pins is coming very soon. And now you can see artwork for Batman, Robin, the Joker, the Riddler, Batgirl, the Penguin, and Catwoman over at Fansets, Twitter and Facebook pages. These are just the first seven of the 11 pins that are on the way. This is amazing. Plus, we announced last time on Trek Geeks, you can now order online gift certificates at fansets.com. And Dan, get this, they never expire. Like never, ever. And they have no processing fees whatsoever. So it's truly a win-win. So do yourself a favor. Go on over to fansets.com. After you check out the blog that Joe writes, put a bunch of pins and accessories or even gift certificates into your cart. And if you spend more than 30 bucks, you're going to get free shipping, of course. As an added bonus at checkout, just for listening to us two nerds have such a great conversation with Wyatt, enter the very special Trek Geeks discount code CHECKOFF, that's C-H-E-K-O-V in all capital letters, for 15% off your entire order. This bonus code is going to be available to use until Wednesday, June 17th, 2020, at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Dan, we gather to write a wrong um, uh, that has taken four years to do. No. And shame on us for, for allowing it to happen, but life kind of gets in the way sometimes. And then so does building a podcast network and then so do multiple Star Trek series. But of course I'm talking about <laughs> um, the follow-up to our epic 100th episode. That was a long time ago. That was uh, 120 episodes ago. That's a lot. That's like over a century's worth of episodes, Bill. What took you so long? I know, no. right? <laughs> no, you know, you're, you're right. We we are really busy with stuff. Um, of course, Discovery started, and then Picard was announced, and Picard happened, and now Strange New Worlds are happening, and other podcasts came along, like Discovering Trek, and we started a network, and I moved, and I changed jobs, and... Uh, so yeah, so here we are. I changed jobs in there too. I had a layoff. Oh, that's right, you did, didn't you? Yeah. All that in the last five years, or last four years. Wow. And um, it's it's been a busy time. We started it with the best of intent. Um, you know, our our 100th episode was landmark for us in so many ways. Not only was it a definite um, uh, mile marker in our journey, but I mean, that was an episode that got us nominated as a finalist for a Parsec Award. Yeah. Um, uh, the response to it was incredible. Um, but you know, that, that first half as, as, as we keep referring to it was day one of our trip to the sets of Star Trek continues. Um, and it, it was probably one of the best received episodes we've ever done. It's right up there with Trek 50 and, and some of the memorial episodes we've done. Mm-hmm. Invariably people say, Oh my God, I heard that that episode 100 and it was amazing. It's one of the best episodes I've ever listened to. And it's hard to believe that was our high watermark. <laughs> it just went right down from there. Wow, like a water slide. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's humbling is what it is. Um, seeing some of the comments 
and hearing some of the messages that listeners sent us after listening to one hundred the one hundredth episode really made both of us just sit back and go, "Wow, I mean, we've said it a thousand times. We're just two guys talking about Star Trek, and we talk about our friendships and throw insults at each other for an hour or a week and have fun with it. And people listen to it. And then we have a journey like this where it really meant a lot to both of us and and quite literally changed our lives when you think about walking those corridors and standing on that bridge. And for people to give us the um, the support for that episode, the way that they have, was was really quite mind-blowing, to be honest. Without a doubt. We were welcomed in as <laughs> weary travelers, because we were, <laughs> um, and, and immediately treated like people who've been there all along. And I, I think that was the kind of thing that, that came from the top down. Yeah. Not as a directive, but I think that's the mindset that occurred. We're, we were all Star Trek fans in that building. We all had this thing that united us. And I think that really was what carried the day, quite honestly. So um, what's... Well, and let me back up. So um, part of the problem with trying to tell the second half of the story is we couldn't just ever dedicate the time to fully script it the way we wanted and the way it deserved to be done like we did for the first episode. Mm-hmm. The first episode literally took us months to write. It did. Um, Absolutely. It's the first it, time and only time we've really actually ever done a, a, a scripted, so it to is. speak, um, discussion on the show. And we recorded it separately from the episodes we were doing every week at the time. Right. We'd each devote a little bit of time every week to recording our segments, and then I would get them and edit them together and you know, drop in the various audio pieces. And... Um, I have to say, we apologize to everyone involved with Star Trek Continues that we waited this long to tell the second half of the journey. Because what they did there in in creating this fan film series was really quite magical. It really was. I will will say to my dying day, nothing holds a candle to Star Trek Continues for for fan productions. Um, And to be able to go down there, we're two guys. We had the conversations with Vic in Vegas about coming down. So he knew who we were because we hung out with him a little bit that first uh, uh, Vegas trip that I went to and played golf. But nobody else down there had any idea who we were. We could have been just two whack jobs coming in and who knows what was going to happen when we get down there. And they were welcoming and they they made us part of their family and they included us in everything. And it really was unbelievable to see not only how they welcomed us and treated us, but to see how they treat each other and how dedicated they are to the project and how much they love what they're doing for Star Trek and Star Trek continues. Absolutely. So some of the audio we're going to play for you today really is a snapshot in time from four and a half years ago in those days on set. Um, This was the, on day two of our visit there, they were actually shooting scenes for a different episode. So we had the the benefit of seeing that. It was another day of bridge shooting, which was exciting for us because, mm-hmm. you know, instead of, you know, doing quarter shots or, or whatever, we literally got to spend two days hanging out on the bridge, which was yep. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're going to hear is what happened in and around shooting during that day. Uh, they are mostly conversations and these conversations occurred in the space behind the engineering set where the guts of the shuttlecraft was. Yes. So if you watch uh, Embracing the Winds, which is episode seven, the 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 um, episode we were there for, there's a, a scene before the opening credits that takes place in the shuttlecraft. We're sitting literally right outside that shuttlecraft right. set. 
and and it's amazing while you're listening you'll hear stuff going on in the background because there's like construction going on just over that way and people walking by because it's right through a corridor where that shuttlecraft set is so you will see here and you won't see some things obviously you'll hear things going on around our conversations but yeah it was right near the shuttlecraft it was cool i wanted to sit in it. <laughs> and right behind engineering too i mean yep. that wall was literally right next to us mm-hmm. um so here's how the day started day two the previous night, as covered in episode 100, we had sp- had dinner with the cast and the crew, uh, and we hit a bar afterwards, after dinner, had a great a time. Absolutely. You and I were beat from being up half the night, because some idiot was doing Aaron Neville impersonations all night long. I know, right? Oh, uh, I want to find that, that guy. Oh, I'm and a- give him a Grammy award, baby. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> On the way in, we didn't stop at the Cracker Barrel that we stopped at the first day. We decided to do something familiar. We saw a Dunkin' Donuts sign. We went in, and it literally was the worst Dunkin's in the world. I it's what has it been four and a half years since we yeah. were there. I still haven't gotten my order. <laughs> oh my god, that was just that was so ridiculous. Because of course, you know me, and I'm like, oh my god, are we going to be late? Bill, we're going to be late. We're going to be late, Bill. Bill, we got to go. What's going on? Yeah. So just times that by a hundred because we were there for like seven hours, <laughs> or at this least is, that's what it felt like. This is hashtag New Englander problems. Um, <laughs> because only New Englanders complain about Duncan's like that, and uh, that's what we do. We were, we did wind up being slightly early to the studio, and although we were excited to be there, speaking for myself there was this tremendous sense of melancholy that I had the entire day because we, I knew it was our last day there. We were only going to be there for a handful of hours and then that was it. Goodbye. We're on a plane back to New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, I got to say, I felt the same way. And, and I'm also going to say this. I, I said it a moment ago. Um, we had hung out with Vic in Vegas and, and we, um, had some great conversations with him and he was there for that first day of the shoot. So I felt most comfortable around Vic because we were pretty much new for everybody else. Didn't know everybody else. Vic wasn't there for day two. He had to go do something else. So he was not there. He didn't have any shoots scheduled that day. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, we're just going to be sitting in a corner and nobody's going to talk to us. And that was the furthest thing that happened. It was really amazing. We talked about the family aspect of this. And it's like we had been there for the five other episodes that they filmed before they did these two. And it yeah. was it really was a great feeling. It really was. So like we said, it was another day on the bridge set. This was episode seven that was being shot that day, Embracing the Winds. Uh, James Kerwin was directing, our good friend James, who we love very much. Um, he has a very different directing style from Julian Higgins, who was directing the day before. James is very focused and yes. precise. He's still very loose and creative, but you can literally see him working things through in his head to the point where we knew immediately not to try to interrupt him or talk to him because when he's on set, he literally is working. We actually thought that um, the day before, because while Julian was directing his scenes, James was in the back of the of the area where people were off camera and he had his scripts and everything like that. And he was sitting there just, you could see the smoke coming out of his ears. I think him with him working on stuff, very serious and very focused on what he was doing. But I'll tell you both great directors and watching the different styles from each one was really fascinating. It really was. So present on the bridge that day, among others were Chris Dewan playing Scotty, who was in command of the enterprise at the time, Kim Stinger is Uhura. Wyatt Lenhart as Chekhov, Grant Imahara as Sulu, who wasn't shooting the scenes on the bridge that day, but he was still there to shoot some other stuff. 
Mary Zerwinski is Follett. Cat Roberts is Palmer, our good friend. First ever guest, Cat Roberts. And our dear, dear friend, John Champion, is Hadley filling in for Sulu at the helm. And that made the whole day fun entirely. (laughs) Actually, what was more fun was that Hadley was in charge of the Enterprise, but he still couldn't sit in the captain's chair. (laughs) Sorry, John. I know. Yeah, it seems they were shooting later that day. Scotty was... (laughs) Was you know uh, uh, yep. off uh, on the landing party and uh, Hadley was in command. Didn't get this in the captain's chair. I will say one thing that I noticed of all the people that you just listed, the boots that Chris had on looked too big for him, and it, I, I thought he was going to like trip over him like every time he walked around. It was cool, and he was busy practicing his lines off on the side a lot too. So, yeah, people very very focused on stuff uh, during their their shooting times. Now I'd say the shoot day progressed fairly normally. Um, there were a few breaks in the action, you know, for things like lighting changes and camera setups and, and the whole nine, but, um, there were no massive delays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they weren't waiting for anyone to arrive like they were the day before, uh, because, uh, Todd Habercorn's plane was late. Right. Um, so they had to shoot around that, but it was a, a fairly normal shooting day and we wound up having lunch with the cast again. Mm-hmm. And you and I decided to take the opportunity to wander the sets because they were quiet. They were empty. And they were dark. And that's another aspect that I'm always going to be so grateful about is we're the guests here, but they treated us like we had been there. So we got to do anything we really wanted to. We had our little badges that we could walk around and it wasn't a problem. So we got to do that. And, you know, you've seen episodes where the power shut down on the Enterprise. So all the lights are off and it's dark. We were doing that. It was like the Mark of Gideon all over again. And it was, it was just amazing. And... I got to say, this is going to sound strange, but I hearken it back to, I've talked about how um, we go to the camp every summer yeah. uh, on Lake Winnesquam. And whenever it's our last night, I'm very sad. And I stand out on the dock and I just look and think about how wonderful it is. And I was doing that while we were on these cor- on these corridors and on the bridge when it wasn't lit up, because that's how strong and how emotional it was to be there. Yeah, you you took the words right out of my mouth. In a way, it was really kind of like a long goodbye because we knew that hours later we were going to be on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't originally going to use this audio in the episode, but now in listening to it, to review, to to see, um, what's, to see what we were going to use, it, it seemed like the perfect thing to include in this particular episode. So mm-hmm. this is the audio of Dan and I walking through the set at lunchtime and the things that we observe. We're, um, right now, Bill and I are standing in the cor- the corridor. It's a little, uh, and look who just yes, walked by. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's a little, uh, oh, door it's a little surreal, isn't it? It really is. I mean, we've seen these sets for decades. Huh. You know, I've been watching Star Trek for at least 45 years. Maybe a little less. And there's a realism. I mean, yeah, it's a set. I mean, it's made of plywood and, and paint and, and decoration, but it's, it's no less real than seeing it on television. You walk down this corridor, and the first step, the uh, first stop is essentially auxiliary. Oh, I'm sorry, sick bay. Sick bay. And the medical office is not yeah. built out yet. But you walk into the room with the bio beds. And this was actually the first room we saw. Right. We came in from the other side of the of the set. 
and we were just we were blown away. Yep. The uh, interesting thing is, is as we're sitting here, one of the things that uh, James was telling, or uh, no, it was Julian was telling us, is one of his favorite shot scenes to do is from the end of the medical bay. Yeah. Because you're looking from sick bay into the doctor's office, out into the corridor, and then down the corridor. So you've got a very long stretch. And they could actually, there's enough space here to build out McCoy's office. Yeah. If they ever wanted to do something with that. You know, as we stand here. You look at the walls, and they're a little bluer than you realize mm-hmm. on TV. Yep. You know, and the bio beds are, are perfect. The fabric is beautiful. And then you look at the yellow of the counters, and I never really noticed you Never that noticed it before. before. Yep. And I always noticed the floor was green. Yep. But I never thought about it until being here. And this room actually looks bigger than I thought it would. Yep. Uh, I believe this is the counter that uh, Mabenga was doing his scans with uh, the... Borg nanoprobes right. in the last episode. Captain Kirk's Doritos are still sitting on the counter <laughs> from where I put them yesterday. They never ate those things. <laughs> they got a spare bio bed if they need three. You know, it's, it's evident that there's care and detail put into this. You know, it's little details like the silhouettes of the bottles. And the, uh, Dan's taking a picture of the fabric on the bio bed, which has protective sheets covering it. So the fabric doesn't get damaged because it's special. You know. I love the beer bottle in there. I think it's a nice touch, by the way. I do like the, yes, <laughs> I do like the beer bottle. <laughs> yeah, I can see what Julian met yesterday, because when you stand here it's, it's and you're a looking at you're looking at the door and you've got a clear shot across corridors. It's really a fantastic shot. <laughs> Dan just ran in. <laughs> it's a long way. That's yeah. a long way. I'm winded. <laughs> well, imagine what I would be. <laughs> and then we progress back out into the corridor. Yeah. And then we walk across the way outside the transporter room. And I think the thing that, that I notice instantly about the transporter room is Instant. the door is about twice as wide. Yep. And then you come in here and then there's a lavender color that... The transporter room was in season three. I never realized the lavender color. I didn't either, but, yeah. you know, as you go back and Google, it's like, well, yeah, absolutely it is. Yep. They, uh, they've got everything. We, we were in here yesterday, um, and the set pieces were kind of taken apart because they were doing some repairs on them. It looks like they fixed a couple up, so maybe possibly we'll see some transporter room scenes in the next episode. There still is nothing in the scanner. <laughs> I do like how yesterday on the bridge, when Todd was working in his scanner as Spock, they put his lines in there. <laughs> oh, that's kind of neat. <laughs> yeah. they've, uh, they've been working on replacing the backlit panels on the transporter console. Mm-hmm. So it's not screen ready right now. Right. But as I look at it, I look at the sliders, and the first thing I want to do is yes. energize. Yes. They were down before, so somebody has energized. One thing I didn't notice, I've never noticed before, is has everybody noticed that the transporter pad is carpeted? I noticed that in the original series, though. I never know. I, it never is never something that was like, oh my god, that's carpeting. Yeah. Now that we're seeing it, oh my god, that's carpeting. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't wanted to stand on the lenses of yes. the transporter pad because I don't want them to break. I know I they're special yesterday. resin casts, <laughs> or you know, they they were made specially, but it's really kind of cool. It is. I mean, we've stood on the. On the little transporter they have in Vegas, in Vegas, the, at the creation convention, 
and it obviously could not compare. No. Not even close. This is, I think this is the real thing, kind of, as I take pictures. <laughs> uh, but see, this is one of the things I noticed, and they probably fixed this for the actual shoot. I noticed it was carpet because you can see the little carpet phrase on the end of the, of the circle right before you get on the steps. Yeah. It's not something I ever really thought of before. Right. Now I'm going to be looking at stuff every episode. Oh, my God, the lavender walls. Oh, my God, this. Oh, my God, that. And to be standing here is, uh, is very humbling. Yeah, it really is. Let's move on. Yeah, we'll walk out of the transporter. Obviously, you see, you know, above us, there are the, uh, the cross beams and the pipes with the color coding, which is really kind of cool. And you see the reflective panels on some of those cross beams. Red alert windows. Yep. Which, which is really cool. One of the only things that I've seen that's remote controlled is one of the guys on set has a remote control for Red Alert, clicks it on right, right, right away, whenever needed. One of my favorite sets in the original series is the, the briefing room slash rec room. And as we stand here, there are support joists holding the central beam because in the Georgia humidity, it could warp. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, there. no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but it's 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 immediately recognizable. It's uh, you know, they they need to shoot. They take the the support jacks out and they put them back. Dan's taking pictures. Yeah, gotta do the pictures. Yeah, there's a in the way. there's a removable wall on um, I think both ends. Where they can make the room bigger or, you know, get better angles, which is really kind of cool. One thing about this room, as we're here, we've talked about how some things look bigger mm. now that we're here. This room looks smaller to me in person than it does on on screen. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Now, that being said, we haven't told that these panels come off so that then when they're doing the camera work, it probably makes it larger. I'm probably going to use most of this as notes for writing mm -hmm. a narrative script. Yep. So you don't have to be as, you know. Oh, I can tell you that you're a big jackass now? Yeah. Okay. Security doesn't open. Nope. Well, fine. Be that way. So it's going to be the one that they burn a phaser? No, that's engineering. <laughs> Captain. Well, then the, the general. Whoa, hey. Oops, the quarters. Sorry, this actually looks a lot smaller to me. A lot smaller, especially the bedroom, not so much. The the office, the captain's office, or whoever whoever yeah. who's ever quarters this is going to be. I will say I do find it, and, and uh, I'll put this in my notes, I find it interesting that they do shop at Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we walk into this room. Obviously, the dresser set is, you know, the sort of semicircle is in the wall. You know, there's a, a twin mattress or box spring mattress there that doesn't have the, the dressing on it. There's you know various artwork that hasn't been hung so they can switch it out when they need to. But you know, there's four or five bags from Joanne Fabrics. That's pillows. Various pillows, various things to dress, the sets, various pieces. This is tiny to me. Yeah, I think of this, you know, when I, I think of the man trap. Yeah. You know, when yeah. when the salt monster has got Kirk and Bones comes in the door and they shoot the phaser. And obviously this this this, in the 60s, this back wall probably was not there. So think of it. This is not exactly a, a roomy set. It seems rather claustrophobic. 
Yeah, but it's it's multi-purpose. You can move in Kirk's desk if you need to, mm-hmm. and then the safe, you know, where he keeps his orders is correct me if I'm like wrong. There. When this is Kirk's quarters, it's a different desk. Yeah, it is. It's a, yeah, it's, that's why I say they move Kirk's desk. Oh, I'm desk sorry, in. I didn't. I didn't. Hear, I was looking at the panel because you weren't so. listening. I don't listen to you, huh? Right. McKenna's quarters might have the round table. It probably but again. It's, it's another situation where uh, when the panel's out. The room probably has a bigger feel to it because the camera's back here. Hmm. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Across the way is auxiliary control and you know the uh, the enhanced quarters, which they can dress up that way. Yeah. That's the piece that's Kirk's desk. Yes. Um, yeah. Auxiliary control we saw in the uh, the mirror episode. Yep. Like that. Bridge is falling over. <laughs> But I mean, it's just it. There's lots of colors and and lights, and it's just really amazing. You see what this is? Uh, was this? No, this was not used in when we saw the engine room in White Iris. That was green screened, but yeah. there was an office. Was it this set? I, I don't think so. I wonder what set it was. I don't know. But it's interesting to look at this. If you walk into auxiliary control, and to the right of the view screen, there's this secondary panel that has a lot of colored lights on them, and they're mostly they're mostly just holes yep. with colored gel behind them, so they can light it from back behind. It's really kind of cool. Yeah, and it is gel actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Data card slot. Data card. I don't think comes Data out. Data card does not come out. Data card does not come out. They twist. No, that's best not to. <laughs> well, also in this room, there's a cot. Yes. Casey made it very clear why that's there. For people to lie down. Yeah. You know, because you don't want them necessarily lying on the sick bay right. set beds. Only Vic can do that. <laughs> God, we can't have... This is why we can't have nice things. This is it. Uh, what's the blueprint? Uh, the set. Oh, bridge? Yep. No, the whole thing. Oh, okay. The space. Oh, nice. Huh. Wow. At some point, the medical office is there. Yes. Yep. And there's nothing here yet. Is there, or is that this? Um, I forget. No, this is this. Well, this yeah. is, we're right here. Oh, are we? Kind of. I think we're... No. Yeah, because we're right uh, across yes, from yes, the briefing yes. room. Yep. Briefing room, quarters. We're in quarters. here. Bedroom, quarters. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. You're right. And you're right. It's a phrase I don't get tired of. <laughs> As we reach the end of the corner, we spent a lot of time here the last two days. We really have because it's right outside the bridge set area. You know, so is the Jeffrey's tube. And I think this is one of the things I was most excited to see. You know, I can think of the episodes where Scotty's up in there and there's all kinds of electricity moving around him. And it's, uh, it's a whole lot of nostalgia. Yeah, the bridge, obviously, but this is probably like the number two thing that I think of. Probably even before the transporter room. It's climbable, obviously. Yeah, there's a perch up top, so they can obviously shoot down. Turbo lift two is at the end yeah. of the hallway, and it's got sort of this almost like a screen, I think, that wraps around, or clearly they can shoot from over here. Turbo, this was the uh, this was the. Oh my god, it's Vic Mignogna. 
blooper, yeah. blooper spot. The handbrakes on the turbo lift. Doors, door mechanism. I will not touch. <laughs> I will not touch. Do these turn? Oh, they do. Huh. Excellent. Dan's just touching every button yeah. in the place. Uh, I do that at toy stores. And I'm still afraid this to touch. Like, um, hey, don't touch anything. No. I'm still afraid to touch buttons. <laughs> uh, some ladder. The ladder where uh, Lalani was hiding at the beginning of episode two. Yep. And then the uh, piece de resistance. And then you walk the bridge set. And I'm immediately struck by the fact that there's no view screen. Yes. I'm not disappointed. And, as I said, we're standing, right now I'm standing at, uh, at, uh, in between Sulu and Chekhov's spot. So I'm like dead center of the bridge where I think I would be looking to look at the view screen. And it's about three and a half feet and a foot higher than what I would expect. And that's what they use for their center point. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. The steps are weird. I am. Look at the other way. This is really the view I've been waiting for right yeah, here. I see the turbo. It's, it, it is. As we stand outside the turbo lift door and we look at the side, it's... Unlit. It's unlit. There's nothing on. All you hear is the the hum of the, the big industrial fans to help suck out some of the heat from while we're shooting. And it's nothing short of amazing. It is. I would love to sit, stand in here before we leave. I've always, always wanted to see this view from right here. Because, you know, so many, so many scenes of... How does he do it? He's got the... It's the walk that he does. It's so perfect. Vic's Kirk walk is, <laughs> is spot on. Is I'm going to get off this set before we get yelled at because I'm still afraid. Uh, and I do... Did, did you notice that they changed... I hadn't, and yep. that's a great point. Yep, because it's a different, different uh, part of different, space. Yeah, different scenes require different uh, areas to view. It really is amazing. A lot of construction around. A lot of uh, a lot of wiring. As we've we've been here on set, we've been just off the off to the side on the uh, on the Spock side of the bridge. Yep. And we've spent a lot of time kind of observing where the, the directors for the episodes have been, whether it's Julian or James, and kind of watching what they see on the monitor yeah. and translating it to how the actors are moving on set. It's really been kind of a fascinating experience watching that whole creative process. Watching it from the view screen that the director sees. Then they take to do another take. Watching it from what we see with all the camera people and the cast and and crew all standing around. It's amazing the difference. But at the same time, it's amazing that it looks as awesome as it does from both angles. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I could walk these corridors all day and never lose the sense of awe and wonderment, I think, that I have now. And some of you say, well, yeah, sure, you can say that now. But, you know, after a couple of years, no. No. I really don't think so. Because as we've said over and over again the last couple of days... What percentage of 1% get to do what we're doing right at the second? 
We're walking down the corridor of the Enterprise. You know, in my mind as a, as a child and as I've grown you know, into my adulthood, I've walked these corridors in my mind mm -hmm. thousands of times. Yep. Well, then we get to detour to engineering. Oh, yeah. We're ready to go you still haven't watched come through the, the main door to engineering. Right. <laughs> We're kind of taking the back way around because Bill's still afraid to touch stuff. Yep. Oh, it's all, it's all, it's all carved up. May, may have been painting too. The uh, engine room is, or the dilithium chamber is moved. Yeah. Are those the deuterium tanks? I think also. So. Could be, yep. <clears throat> but. This set is just awe-inspiring. You know, the engine room is... Careful, I don't know if yeah, they've painted. You see the forced perspective in the warp core, and it looks amazing. And they've got the fence, or the grating, I don't know what really we ought to call it. You know, and the rails climbing up to the second level are actual steel. You know, they're not foam. <laughs> it's funny because where we're standing right now, it looks like we're at Red Alert, but that's just the sun shining in from behind the set. It is. It, is. it looks good. <laughs> in the workspace next to the yeah, the engineering set, they've been working on building things for the episode to add detail to the engine room. But there's a chalk wall, and somebody's drawn a rendering of the Enterprise orbiting a, a planet with the sun behind it. Really kind of cool. Handprints. Handprints. You should take a picture of that. That's really kind of cool. Well, somebody's got to. <laughs> We're walking through as the cast is eating lunch on uh, day two of our visit here. Wardrobe? I'm going to stop now. So after lunch, the shoot was delayed a little bit and starting back up. So you and I took the opportunity to, to chat with some folks that we just didn't get the chance to talk to the day before because they were on set all day. Right. It's like the first time I ever done interviews. So it was kind of cool. I was very nervous. I got to say, I don't know if I, if I looked it or sounded it, but I was really uncomfortable, especially when we sat down the first one. Well, it didn't help us that, you know, the, the first person we wound up talking to was somebody who had been on TV for years anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Grant Imahara. Uh, it was, it was awesome. Of course, everybody knows he plays Sulu. He does a great job at Sulu. I love what he does with the character. Um, as we talked about before, he wasn't in the bridge scenes for day two, but they did have him there for doing some other things. So we took a few moments to talk to him during that break. So obviously we're six episodes in now. How did you wind up getting cast as Sulu? So I got the role as Sulu. I, I met Vic at Dragon Con. Uh, many years back and we saw each other again at a mutual friend's party right when he was starting up uh, Star Trek Continues and he said oh oh Grant yeah you know what I've got this uh, this really cool project that I'm doing and he started showing me pictures he said, yeah you, you like Star Trek I'm sure like every conversation has started this way <laughs> like, oh yeah I love Star Trek oh let me show you and so he pulls out his phone and he starts showing me pictures of the bridge and I'm like that is really cool. I'm sure he, he probably saw the drool coming down oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the side of my mouth, corner of my mouth. And um, I was like, yeah, you know what, Vic? If you need any help, anything like that, uh, just give me a call. He's like, okay, great. 
two days later, he's like, uh, Grant, would you be my suit? Wow. <laughs> I said, oh, would you? my. Yeah. So oh, my. That, was, that was how it went. And it was fantastic. Wow. It's really, it's been, it's been a blast doing this show. What, uh, the first time you came on set and sort of stood on the bridge... I mean, because I imagine you grew up a Trekkie. And oh, yeah. It's hard to not do this, I think, right. and, and not be a Trekkie. Yeah. What was it like? Did you have this sort of... Oh, you know, the first time I got onto the bridge, we were shooting the vignettes. And so yes. it was the very first time that we were all really together yeah. in our uniforms doing a thing. And... I could not stop grinning. <laughs> I mean, if you could imagine growing up with this and, and fantasizing about being on the bridge and then having a set that's this detailed, this complete, and, and this immersive, Mm-hmm. It's it's like you know if there's such a thing as a nerdgasm, that's what, <laughs> that's what I had that day. Because really, it was when when I talk about dream come true, this is a dream come true. Wow! Obviously, people recognize you from MythBusters. Yes. Are people now starting to recognize you as Sulu? And is that weird? Oh yeah. Now you know it's not weird at all to get recognized for being Sulu. I mean, MythBusters you kind of expect because you know it's been on. For, for 10 years and people grew up watching it but no the thing about that I'm coming to understand about Star Trek Continues is that we give people something who people who are fans of the original series we give them something that they just can't get anywhere else it's like being able to to scratch an itch that you've had for years yeah. and years and years yeah. and to have a show like this do it so well and so when I think about that from that perspective about what we do for for the fans I'm like oh yeah it's a natural that people will say I love Star Trek continues I love what you guys are doing Uh, you know I want to help you I can't wait for the next episode and out of anything that I've done over the years this has been the one project that has gotten 100% 100% approval mm-hmm. from all the feedback I've had is yep. incredibly positive. And, you know, in this day and age, that's tough to say about anything. There's always haters yeah, out right. there, oh, but yeah. Star Trek Continues is... Oh, don't we know it? No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And and Trek fans are notoriously difficult yep. to please. Yes. And they have very high is. standards. Yeah. <laughs> well, one, of, so. one of the things you, you... I want to stay on one of the points that you just made is... Is I, we've said this to some of the cast that we've talked to. I don't look at it as any anymore as you are playing George's character of Sulu. You are now Sulu. Right. Vic is now Kirk, and that's a testament to the work that you guys are doing and the dedication that you have. And it's really phenomenal to see. For for one thing, have has George seen your work and has he commented on it at all? Yeah. You know, when I first started, um, I thought. What I should do is is just send George a tweet. You know, I uh, Star Trek Continues hadn't come out yet, mm-hmm. but I was like, you know what? He's he's been such a, an inspirational figure to me as an Asian American kid, growing mm-hmm. up and seeing the the one Asian American guy on TV who was who's not a thug or a gangster. Or, or some evil guy. He right. was a mm-hmm. hero. And yep. furthermore, he was part of the core crew flying the ship. 
And so when I was very young and watching this in syndication, I was like, wow, this is cool. It's yeah. cool to see somebody like me doing these cool things. Okay. Oh. Well, we'll catch up okay. again. We'll catch right. up again. No problem. Thanks Absolutely. For a few minutes. Thanks, Thanks, I appreciate it very much. You appreciate bet. the time, man. All right. I'm so sorry. And just like that, Grant was just whisked away to set and we didn't get a chance to talk to him ever again. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great conversation. I mean, yeah. Grant, it was just, it was, it was very quick. We probably would have gone on unchecked for at least an hour if, yeah. if they hadn't let us. But um, what a great, great guy. Absolutely. And, and we had, we had talked about getting back together and finishing the conversation, but sometimes things like that can't happen because of schedules and everything going on. Such a stand-up guy. And like you said, he's known in television. He's been doing TV for a lot of times. And sometimes you're, you feel a little nervous about, about what a person's going to be like, uh, who's got that fame. What a down to earth dude. Just so fun. And, and it was an even added bonus, totally off track of STC. But when, um, uh, the discovery premiere in Hollywood a few years ago after the premiere, hmm. we went to a bar, he showed up and we sat and hung out with him for a little bit. Oh, I had no cool. idea. Yeah. It was that's awesome. Pretty cool. Like, Hey, that's Grant. Hey Grant. <laughs> <laughs> remember me? I'm that idiot you talked to. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I remember. He's like, uh, yeah, but I thought you had hair. You're like, no, that's the other idiot. No, 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 no. It's the, it's the uh, cease and desist order that, yeah. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were fortunate because, you know, we got a lot of time to, to essentially talk to the guys who sit up front. Yeah. Um, and we, we spent more time with the guy who sat to Sulu's right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wyan, uh, Wyatt Lenhart, who played Chekhov, um, so, so so young and so uh, so much and you can tell how much he loves playing the character um, just like the character portrayed he's the youngest member of the bridge crew but unlike his fellow actors he didn't have an established acting career in fact we actually talked to, with him about how he got the part of playing Chekhov on Star Trek Continues how did you get involved with this crazy group of people? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually a really interesting story. Um, it all started a long time ago uh, when I was just um, an anime fan, Yeah. actually. I went to a convention that Vic happened to be at. I was there with a group of my friends. And, you know, they were announcing the guests at the beginning of the show, you know, and they're like, Vic Mignon. I was like, oh. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm doing all these panels. And he's like, and I'm doing... An original series, you know, Trek panel, trivia, you know, come and see if you can stump me on questions. And in my mind, this is this was kind of my thought process. I was sitting there thinking, you know what? I've seen the original series all the way through, probably about ten times at this point or more. <laughs> um, my dad was a huge fan. He brought home the box set of DVDs when I was a kid. And, you know, we sat down, we watched the whole thing. Just, and it just became like a... I like, you know, I grew up watching the show, yeah. even though I wasn't old enough, you know, to grow up watching the show. Uh, and so I stood up in front of the whole crowd and was just kind of like, hey, I'm going to kick your butt, dude. <laughs> like, like, bring it, you know? Like, let's see what you got. Challenge he's like, accepted. He's like, okay, give me your hardest question. And so I just fired out the first thing that came into my head. It was a question that somebody had asked me a long time ago that was like a direct quote from like an obscure part of the episode because they were trying to be dumb. But it stuck with me because I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, so, yeah. so that was just rapid fire. That was the first thing I could think of. And he kind of was like, Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm like sweating bullets, you know, like down my face because I don't know the answer to this question. And he's like, 
yeah, so uh, what's uh, you know what's the answer? And I'm like, hey man, you gotta go to the panel. You know, like, it's all gonna go down. Everyone's <laughs> like, oh, oh, you know. And then like you know, I like turn to walk away, and I'm in like my anime outfit, so I got like like flowing capes and stuff, and just walk out of the room. And I'm like, so we gotta figure out the answer to that question. All my friends are like, what? Like you didn't know? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And so. I'm like researching. I'm up all night trying to figure out exactly oh like how I'm calling my dad on the phone. I'm like, yeah. hey, I need you to watch this episode. Like, tell me what's going on here. And we came to the conclusion that I had asked an inconsistent question. Like, it was wrong. Like, there was no answer. Oh, God. It was oh. like I mixed two questions together from like a couple different <laughs> oh, episodes. Man. And so I'm like, I can't show my face there tomorrow. <laughs> like, there's no way. This is terrible. Like, what have I done? Like, I've set myself up for permanent failure. <laughs> That's awesome. And I walk into the panel, and I think there's actually a video on YouTube of this somewhere. But uh, and keep in mind, I still have no idea how much Vic knows about Star Trek. Yeah, none at all. Like, yep. just he just said he'd like you know Star Trek, and he wanted to do a panel. So I was like, I'm gonna. You know. So I walk in. I'm not in costume. I'm hoping he doesn't recognize me. <laughs> you know, me and my friends kind of sit off to the side, and he walks in in his full Star Trek uniform. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, this was before the show. This right. was before we were doing this. Right. So he had this all made for him. So he was and ready he, to rock. Yeah. And he's talking about, like, you know, the authenticity of the uniform, where the things came from, who made his boots, where, like, the fabric was from. And I'm just, I remember sitting there thinking, like, I am <laughs> I was trying to throw you off your screwed. game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I, there's, I, I, I can't, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to watch and just, like, hope that he forget that all of this happens. <laughs> And he grabs a microphone, and he's like, okay, where's Wyatt? <laughs> and, of course, my friends wrap me out. You know? And so I stand up. And I guess kind of the, the regular gag is he has a, a Star Trek phaser, right? But it's a squirt gun. Yep. And so he takes that around at panels. And, and if somebody can't answer a question, you know, he'll squirt them. Yep. But instead what happened is he just stood in front of me the entire time. <laughs> and when someone would ask a question, he'd say, you know, he'd look at me for the answer. And if I didn't know it, he'd squirt me. Then he'd answer their question and then he'd squirt me again. And so after that panel, um, we just kind of got to be friends and I'd email him questions all the time trying to stump him. I got out my old like Star Trek encyclopedia with yep. my dad, you know, and we'd stump like, oh my gosh, yes, and this. And I'd text him rapid fire, like return. He's wow. like, oh, that's easiest. I'm like, gosh, dang it. Like, oh. <laughs> You know, for years I tried to stump him on just like Star Trek trivia, um, and then I went to um, another convention a few years later, um, and we got to go talk to him in his autograph uh, line yep. after one of his panels, and uh, he told me about the show, and he asked me to audition for Chekhov, wow. and so I, I recorded some lines and sent them in, and that's awesome. That's pretty it, amazing. So. You were just somebody in, a, in an audience, yeah, and he you left that mark on him. Good or bad. <laughs> I was just and in now, the right place at the right time. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, it's a relationship f- formed out of abuse. I think it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so is the toughest part about being Chekhov the accent? So, yes and no. So the, the accent, it's not, it's not really a, a good Russian accent. Right, right, right. Like, it's not, like, thick and deep like you would... You would think most Russian accents, you know, like "Welcome, comrade," you know, yeah. like um, it's it's kind of nasally and it's it's uh, like broken up. So like, yeah. there's some places where he, like the accents like very like like poignant, and yep. other places where like you can't even notice it at all. But yep. it's it's a Chekhov accent. It's kind of what I call it. It's not like the Russian accent, good yeah. or bad. It's really it really is kind of a 
not so great Russian accent. <laughs> um, and so finding the nuances in there um, was something that I think because I grew up watching the show helped me. Right. And being the young kid watching the show, like I definitely connected with Chekhov a lot. Is it distracting at all when you're trying to learn lines and material? Uh, or does it help with the cadence of, it, of line memorization? It helps time? because I know that when they're writing the lines, it's it's with Chekhov's accent in mind. Yeah. And so kind of as they're um, composing the script, it's very like, okay, Chekhov would then say this. And so I, very, very rarely do I ever have a line where I'm like, I have no idea how he would say that. Yeah. I've yeah. just, I've done the, I've done the, because growing up, yeah, I'd do the accent. Like right. before I ever even did the show, I had the accent down. In fact, when I went to go see Vic, he's like, hey, can you do a Russian accent? I just, like, you know, busted into the Chekhov yeah. accent, and he's going, like, oh, wow, wow. Nuclear whistles. Yeah, yeah nuclear whistles. <laughs> Across the bay in Alameda. One of the things that I've asked everyone that we've spoken to, I'll ask you, and, and it's a compliment and a question, is since now we're working on, the, or you're working on the sixth episode, I don't look at any of the cast of Star Trek Continues as someone who is playing someone else who played a character. I see you as Chekhov. I see Kim as Uhura. I see Vic as Kirk. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a testament to the work that you guys do. But with that being said, have you had the opportunity to ever talk to Walter and has he seen you uh, as Chekhov? Briefly. Mm-hmm. And I don't think so. Okay. Um, I, I've gotten to talk to him just for a few seconds. Yep. I was actually at... Uh, the first time I got to talk to him was at a Vegas... Star Trek Vegas uh, I think it was last year Mm -hmm. Um, I gotta go into his autograph line and I just you know just brief like hey how you doing I you know I play Chekhov and Star Trek continues nice to meet you thanks bye Uh, and then he came to Salt Lake and Salt Lake Comic Con and Chris Doohan brought me back into the green room and I gotta shake his hand talking about the show and uh, just briefly but I I don't know if he's seen it or not well, uh, I'm sure if he has seen it, he's probably as impressed as everybody else is because it's fantastic work. Oh my gosh, thank you! Uh, thank you as so as fans like Bill and I are, that are such it's such a it's such a, a a concrete part of our life. It's in our blood every single day to be able to see what you and everybody else in the cast and behind the crew now that we've seen yeah. behind yeah. the scenes is just another reason why we think what you guys do is is there's there's nobody that comes close. And it's it's really fantastic, and it's great to be able to sit and talk to you and tell you about it, and uh, and witness it in person. Is it weird as somebody who used to you know just go to conventions and stuff like that to now be recognized at conventions for Chekhov? You know, yes, um, it's it, it is kind of an interesting transition between like being on one side of the curtain and yeah. now on the other, and even I think with some people in you know the cast and the crew because I was a fan, right? right. You know, and like as people who go to these conventions I, I had to make the transition not just myself but like in relationship with the people here from fan to colleague mm-hmm. right so like I, I had to kind of be like I'm not just going to come out and like geek out about all the cool things that you're in because <laughs> granted I met these guys at conventions you know yep. these guys were people that I you know looked like was a fan of that's why I was there yep. you know and so now to be working with them it's kind of been uh, yeah like I said that transition to not be the fan, but be the colleague. So be right. just more professional yeah. about it, I guess. With that in mind, tell us what it was like. Because today we stood on the bridge for the first time. Oh my god! And it was there you go. <laughs> As a fan, and now you are part of this. What was it like that first day where you sat in that chair? I will never forget. <laughs> I will never forget the first time. Uh, it was me and Grant, um, and we had our uniforms on, 
and we we walked onto the set and it was lit. I mean, because we'd seen the set and we'd seen the uniforms, mm-hmm. but we put on the uniforms, you know, as authentic as like humanly possible. Yep. Yeah. And the hair and makeup's on, and you walk onto the set and it's lit and the lights are on, and you know, you sit at the station. I just remember we both just sat there, and then just like <laughs> we looked at each other, just like, oh my. <laughs> Gosh, is this real? Yeah. Like, is this is this is this real life? Because <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. And yeah, that was just it was. I can't even describe just like the cool like. It not only are you, it's not just like you got to go sit on the set, but then you got to then play those characters, mm-hmm. you know, act out the scenes and the lines with other characters and the sound effects, yep. and it's it was it's just the. The coolest thing I've ever done. So William Shatner doesn't watch himself. He's never watched himself. Have you watched yourself in oh, Star yes. Trek Continue? Oh, yes. All the time. Um, I <laughs> I think I'm probably the most nervous out of anybody in the show. Um, I think for the same reasons. Because I've done, I, you know, I did a lot of acting, but everybody else here is a professional sure. actor, mm-hmm. like, in their own right. Like, that's what they do for their for their job. You right. know? Like, they are acting in, in some form or another. And so I'm always just, like... So like paranoid, trying to make sure like okay, like is it up to par? Like I'm like ah oh, gosh, did I say that line right? You know. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I've I've been able to to really get into the character and and, and make it yeah. believable and really pay tribute to uh, Walter Koenig and, and Chekhov as as the character. I have two favorite scenes that stand out for me for you. One of them is is actually kind of a a credit to the writing staff but it was a line that you delivered and it was great and it was when you referenced the Zindi from Enterprise love the way that that came out because it was also from a camera angle that we don't really see very often when you turn the way that you right. did um, I thought that was great and my the favorite the Zindian uh, the Zindi when you were referencing that you had studied a paper about the in, Zindi in, when you were in the Academy, Academy. Yeah. Um, and then the other one was in the Mirror episode when you just got out of the Agni booth and you're all excited to be back on the bridge and, and Vic's just like, nah, take him back, back in. in. Your reaction was priceless and it's one of those ones that I love watching over and over again. That was a, that was a great scene. That's, that's actually one of my favorite scenes because when I go back into the turbo lift, you hear the scream yes. as the, yep. and that was kind of added last second. Mm-hmm. It's like I went into the doors and the scream just kind of like continued as I was descending into the Agni. Uh, great. So in, I guess in episode seven, you're gonna get a little little decoration on your sleeve. Some braids. Oh, yeah, that's right. yeah. Um, that's that's been a long. That's kind of been the joke, right? Like yep. as, since we've been filming all of these episodes, it's like Chekhov's doing anything for promotion. <laughs> um, and and in these two episodes, they kind of do a couple bits like that, where it's like the first episode, like in episode six, we have mm-hmm. the. You know, the it's the stay in the car checkoff yes. moment. You know, where checkoff's like, "Hey, I want to go," and they're like, "No, no, no, stay on the bridge." You know, and so when episode seven happens, and there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. But yeah, checkoff does finally get promoted, and he's thinking about going into tactical because yep. that's where he is. Yes, yep. the, the beginning the of the first movie. Yep. 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 I wow. think it's a, that's a good natural progression. Awesome. Because we often often wondered how the characters got from where they were in Turnabout Intruder to the beginning of motion picture. Mm-hmm. And I know that some of that groundwork is being laid. I think that's I think it's natural. I think it's good. There's some big questions to answer. Oh yeah. I mean, like because Kirk, you know, takes a desk job, he becomes an admiral, right. which you know is not him nope. at all. No. Spock no. leaves Starfleet. Yep. And McCoy gives up. His practice grows entirely. The beard. Yeah, it grows the Chuck beard. Chuck in the beard is going to be the best that's thing we've gonna, ever like, seen. Oh, how does that happen? You know, and <laughs> yeah. that's going to be that's going to be that's going to be something to to behold. I think when it happens, I, it, I I think one of the the ways that I can best describe it, how I truly feel, is 
you guys are now a real part of Star Trek history with what you're doing. And as Bill has said, Bill has said this many times, we're not, we're not watching a fan production of, 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 of Star Trek. We are watching episodes 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, and on. Yeah. And it's great. I, I, there's not really much else you can say about it. You can watch an episode of the original series. We were having this conversation right, earlier. This and you can watch an episode that continues right after it. And it's the same series visually. It's the same ser- series as far as tone and feel and character development. And I think that's a huge testament to the writing. I think it's a huge testament to the performances that are being delivered by the actors all around because it hits on all marks. And I think I, that I think what you just said there at the very end was like super important. It hits on all the marks because I think if one thing were just slightly off, yep. it wouldn't work. The right. fan base would realize yeah, exactly it like on you. It wouldn't like yeah. if, if this weren't right, if the lighting wasn't right, if yep. the sets weren't right, if the you know if the uniforms were off, if the acting wasn't mm-hmm. there, if the writing wasn't there, the story, all that stuff. It just it wouldn't work. Right. Yeah, and with plenty of other things, we go, oh yeah, that. Yeah. But with with continues, there is none of that. You you find yourself. Immersed. Yeah. Like you, you, you find yourself like it. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome, right. man. We really appreciate the time. Hey, thank yeah. you guys so you much. You did a great for being job here. for letting us be here. And You know, Dan, Wyatt was in an environment where he had to play this character that's been around practically forever, and he really did an admirable job. Now, earlier in the day, there was this one moment where he had to uh, to give director James Kerwin several different versions of the same line repeatedly over and over and over and well that was just that was really an interesting look at the process here's a little bit of the audio from that part of the shoot okay sound rolling camera camera's rolling file 134 slate 12-2-1-6-4 ready and I'm seeing no unusual activity in the system. Confirmed. There's nothing. But the transmission's clearly set. Oh, yeah, no, okay, hold on. Let's take it back. Just give, give me another one, Wyatt. Give me a couple. Vary it up a little bit. Okay. Give me a few. So you want me to go through my... No, no, just, just Wyatt. Let, let, let him take it. Whenever you feel it, man. Confirmed. There's nothing. Confirmed. There's nothing. Confirmed. There's nothing. After the confirmed, look up at the view screen as you're saying there's nothing. Okay. Confirmed. There's nothing. Good. Give me a feel like that. Confirmed. There's nothing. Confirmed. There's nothing. Confirmed. There's nothing. Hold there. Great. You know, I got to say, man, it it is amazing to see the creative process and how a director like James goes through getting the take he wants. And believe me, he's going to keep doing it until he gets that take that he wants. And it was great to see it. I I get the sense it's kind of like the same way that Nick Meyer worked with Shatner, where he would just keep having him do it over and over and over (laughs) until he really got the one that just... That rang the bell for him. Right. So, uh, but but what a great little snippet of audio because um, I, I have to believe that in some sense, unless you're used to doing that, it's got to seem like, why does he have to keep saying that same line over and yeah. over? But to see it was really kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. It really was. 
Dan, we've become huge supporters of our new friends at Science Division. We both absolutely love their officially licensed and interactive Tribble, but they are doing a free event for fandom this coming weekend, and honestly, it sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, it absolutely does, buddy. It's the Connected Community Con, and it's coming up this coming Sunday, June 14th, starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It's online, and like Bill said, it's 100% free. In fact, Science Division just announced that helping them kick off the con is none other than our friend Alexander Sadeg from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Wow, Dr. Julian wow. Bashir himself making a house call <laughs> this coming Sunday, and it's definitely shaping up to be a fantastic event. In addition to Sid, you'll have the opportunity to chat with a wonderful group of artists, content creators, small business owners, cosplayers, some podcasters, and fan groups all related just to Star Trek. Now, this con is all about community, and Kalia and Jay are organizing a great one. That's for sure. Plus, wrapping up the day is a fantastic panel with our very own Ali Martinez, the 24-year-old Trekkie, on navigating destructive negativity and gatekeeping. And I can't think of a better person to have that discussion with since Ali is such a positive force within our fandom. And it's all coming up this Sunday, June 14th, 2020, starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now you can get more information on the Science Division website at sciencediv.com. Just click on, click on the link for the Connected Community Con at the top of the page. Now when you visit that page on the day of the con, you'll find a link to each participant's virtual table there with their bio. Clicking on the link was going to take you into either a Skype or Zoom meeting to talk with the participant as though you just walked up to their table in the room. They're still adding tables and anyone who's interested in hosting one can get more information on the Science Division website again at sciencediv.com. You know, we're all missing conventions this year, and this online con is all about community and passion, so we hope you'll check it out. And while you're at it, check out their amazing interactive Tribble, because we know you're going to want one when you see it. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division and the Connected Con for sponsoring this week's episode. So once filming for the day had resumed... You and I grabbed producer Casey Shafsky to have a conversation about how the production works from his perspective behind the scenes. Now, this was recorded, like we said before, some time ago, and when we had literally only known Casey for one day at this point. And since this day, four and a half years ago, he truly has become one of our closest and dearest friends, Dan. He really he really has, man. Um <sighs> You know, he basically just gets a, a directive from Big says, hey, two guys are coming down from, from New Hampshire, uh, so let's, you know, show them around the set while we're filming. And he's like, who, what? And, and I'm sure that's something that he had to deal with a lot because people would come in while they were filming. Frick would bring people in to, um, to, uh, to show them what's going on. And so our flight was delayed, and I had to be communicating with him that we were going to be late, and we weren't going to be there that first night. So what do we want to do? Do we want to meet late at night, or do we want to just meet tomorrow at the studio? It turns out it was tomorrow at the studio, which is another thing I was concerned about because I never worry about anything. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, we're going to go in, and we're going to meet this guy, and he's already going to have stuff going on. And it's going to suck and he's going to hate us and blah, blah, blah. He really has become one of our truest friends in the world. He is so caring and so wonderful. Um, and, and he fits right into how our friendship is with the, with the sarcasm and, and the, and, but the, 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 the appreciation uh, of each other. And I think it's one of the most positive thing that's come out of that trip. 
I, I have to agree with you. Uh, without a doubt, Casey Shafsky is one of the most generous people I have ever known in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you mention haphazardly on Facebook that you have a cold, you get a delivery from Amazon with cold medicine and NyQuil and tissues. Yep. And a stuffed Star Trek bear. Yep. Um, that's just who Casey is. He he loves his friends. Um, he loves people. He loves to do kind things. He's a, He loves dogs. We, yes, we all three of us have that in common. Pop it. But uh, as you can hear in this extended audio, he's got a huge responsibility to keep everything going and where it's supposed to be. And then, of course, also having to deal with us. So, <laughs> no, it's all good. Okay. It's all good. Sorry. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's in the raw. There we it's, go. It's fine. Here we go. Hey, um, so so you, you were pretty much responsible for everything around here. Um, well, yeah, somewhat. Yeah. yeah. Somewhat. So it, it's a well-oiled machine. Thank you. you are kind of at the controls of the machine, making sure everybody's in the right place at the right time to do the right thing to some extent. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a big logistics job, first off, and then just making sure that with, like you said, everything that we might possibly need or whoever we might possibly need are, are here. Yeah. Ready to go, yeah, and uh, that we can just gun through and and you know shoot our episodes. Uh, uh, you know, on a day to day basis, when you're here, what's the toughest part? Besides Bill, yeah, besides yeah. dealing with us. <laughs> I think once we're here, day to day, things kind of mellow out. Yeah, because it's it's getting everybody from all the different parts of across the country. Mm-hmm. Here at the same time, and and making sure there aren't flight delays or or issues like that that might affect our schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as we're here, the the hardest part is all right, get everybody from the hotel, yep. and then make sure they're here. How long does it take to schedule out a block of time like this? So at one point you start saying, all right, everybody, do these dates work for you? How far out in advance do you have to do that? Yeah, um, we usually talk about preliminary dates. Of about four to five months ahead. Wow. And what we'll do is start thinking through, and it's like, okay, what, what months generally for people mm-hmm. will work? Um, and then go, is there anything else happening in those certain times? So like now we're getting close to Thanksgiving. Yeah. So it was like, well, we need to do it before Thanksgiving because the flight outs, the flights out are going to be Right. Oh, egregiously uh, you know, expensive. Yeah. Expensive, full. full. Yeah, yeah. And so then all the hubs will get impacted yeah. and that type of stuff. And it's like, well, we want to get everybody home after you know being away right. for about two weeks from their families. Get everybody home and make sure that they just get there as easily as possible. Wow. Yeah. So while you're doing that, this we're now filming six and seven, or you're now filming six and seven. I said, wait, listen to me. I know, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. Jingles, enough. <laughs> <laughs> Has there, have you come across anything since you've been doing this for all these episodes where you've got everything planned, everything's right, and then a bomb drops and something we have, you have to Yeah, we haven't had any, any bombs going off like that. So, so doing this for about four years, mm-hmm. and I would say... Travel seems to be the issue mm-hmm. if anything would happen. Okay. Um, but the nice thing is everyone knows what they're doing and right. is flexible enough. So, okay, we have to shift the schedule a couple hours and do this. Yeah. It's like, well, what we can do is instead of shooting this scene now, we'll bring something from the end mm-hmm. of the day 
yep. do that. And how we shoot, it's we're not moving from set to set to set to set to set. Mm -hmm. So we get everything in one place. Um, you don't have to change all the lighting. Yep. Some of it will stay relatively stationary mm -hmm. and then right. just specific for each person. But no, there has been no bomb that's good that's gone off and and part of that is with everyone's dedication to know it's like since we're all coming out and volunteering our time th this is yeah the time we're gonna do it and we're we're not gonna be here crazy hours yeah. it's gonna be so that everybody stays well rested gets the stuff done mm -hmm. we're having fun yeah. but this isn't camp right right <laughs> you know and it's like so our goal here is to shoot the episode yeah. and then have a good time doing it great mm -hmm. and you know i just keep knocking on wood so far no bomb coming off man <laughs> one of the things that we have asked everybody that we've had is how'd you get involved in this what happened it's got to be a good story you've had good stories for us <laughs> so this is going to be a good one <laughs> um i met vic and matt Busey years ago working on a different production mm -hmm. and um we, we all got along, and um, I could see that Matt really knew what he's doing, mm -hmm. and Vic really knew what he's doing, and he was very excited about thinking, because you know, I'm thinking of doing this Star Trek project. So the, the little town where we were for this other project, um, my wife and I had rented a place that had a, a kitchen. So my wife's a food stylist. Mm -hmm. So she's like, well, if you're going to be off doing all this stuff and I'm coming with you on vacation, it's like, <laughs> I want something to do. And it's like, and I go, well, that, and I'd love like real meals <laughs> yeah. at night. So thank you very much. So since we had the kitchen, um, every now and again, I would uh, invite certain people back. And I, because I tell her, I go, hey, you know, I'm thinking of fighting uh, BC and Vic, mm -hmm. and that's where I also met, I met Matt Ewald. Mm -hmm. And back, and she's like, okay, and because she, she loves to cook. So um, we did that, and you know, this idea was percolating in Vic's mind, and I think he was, at that point, really formulating what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and as he was talking about it, and, the, and I, I was so dissatisfied with the production we were working on at that time mm -hmm. for someone else. And he was, he was like, well, would you like to be involved in my production? And I was like, yeah, I really would. Tough decision. Um, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it was right. like, cause like, yeah, you know, professional <laughs> yeah. stuff going on where people know what, what they're doing and, and keep their promises. And so um, that was four-ish years ago. And then I worked with Busey and Vic on a small project for Matt Busey. Oh, okay. oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So went went back to uh, the East Coast for that, and we all just tightened up the relationships mm -hmm. and stuff and how we work. And so from point one, wow. I've been involved, and, and it was great. <laughs> There's an obvious rhythm, you know, that, it, you know, just in observing yesterday. I mean, everything's efficient. Mm -hmm. Everything is, is done well. And it seems like you all have a shorthand and a, and a way of working that seems to to just flow really, really easily. I think so. And, and part of that is the recursion with us all working together. Right. And a lot of discussion early on about things. And part of what I've worked with everybody is like, we, we don't work with assumptions. Yeah. It's just really make a request, get it fulfilled, mm -hmm. 
you know, it's done, okay, great, we move on to something else. And then for everybody, if, if you've got a question, and you ask, yeah. or go, you know, oh, why are we doing it this way? And to find out, because then it'd be, oh, what's the construction person thinking, and what is their strategy or plan? Mm-hmm. Or for the director, why are they doing things in a certain way? Because are they going for a certain mood? Or are they going for this? Then we can all be involved in that communication and know what their goal is. And then it starts becoming where, like you said, the shorthand. And it's like, okay, so we know how certain people work yep. and other people work and, and go through it. And it, it, it is that recursiveness, the recursion going through. And, you know, then after the shoot day, like you say, if we, go all, if we all go out and eat and we're all talking and talking about our personal lives mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. And so you find out really and oh you know so this person really does production full time mm-hmm. oh this other person does production full time oh this person who's a volunteer doesn't but does this and and start really getting to know their strengths yep that's one of the things that amazed me at dinner last night because we were lucky enough to, to go out with you all and, and have dinner and the first thing that struck me was the immediate sense of family I mean it was like a, a large almost like a Thanksgiving meal where you have you mm-hmm. know 40 people for God's sake yeah but the individual stories of people around that table are all incredibly interesting. They have all come from various walks of life, whether it's professionals in the industry or not. Mm-hmm. And they're coming from all over the place. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, I, you know, I'm up in Canada, and I met these guys at a convention once, and they said, hey, come on down. I'm like, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's part of the amazing thing is um, with, with the producers, so most of us, almost all of us have production experience or accomplishments. Yeah. So it's like, okay, for all of us, it's 25 plus years mm-hmm. of accomplishment. And then filling in with other people who are volunteers who are either like studying a certain things like, hey, I, I'm studying sound yep. yeah. at this, or I'm studying this. And really then be, be with different, different ages and different stages of life that yes. people are in um, going through that. And what people have said, you know, it's like, you guys are like a family and all that stuff. And, like, I always go through it, and I've talked with Vic multiple times, I go, I don't call us a family, because I have, I have my family on there, Yeah. and then on certain things, I go, I've seen families that aren't mine, but families who don't treat each other too well, mm-hmm. Yeah. and I, w- I was like, you know, I, I relate to it as, like, these, these are friends because I choose my friends. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. You know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I, I want to be around people and then it's where, where other families who do treat themselves well and then you can identify with that because yeah. I get that from my family yeah, right and um, yeah there you go I'm pointing to you man. oh okay yeah. <laughs> well it's probably better said there's a huge spirit of community here. Oh, yeah mm. absolutely you know and I, I really we weren't sure what to expect when we first came up yesterday I mean because you can go into any environment and we both work in IT and you know when you walk into any given IT shop it's you know there's there's factions and there's divisions oh, and there's yeah, ego. The clicks. Yes, there, there's definite clicks. Mm-hmm. And you walk in here and you know you understand that you know this is an artistic form. Mm-hmm. You know all of these people are specialists in their own field and they mm-hmm. all have their given you know expertise at whatever they do, and that could very easily cause clicks and mm-hmm. factions. And we walked through and there was absolutely none of that. 
Yeah. And it was really kind of weird to us because, you know, you hear all these Hollywood horror stories from time to time of productions mm-hmm. and, and diva attitudes on both sides of the camera. And it's like you walk through and these are just a bunch of people who truly care about one another uh-huh. and enjoy being in this space for, you know, a few weeks a year mm-hmm. and creating this amazing content. And yeah, it's like it, it's oh, like absolutely. a spirit. It is, it is a community. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, but that actually that atmosphere is created. Yeah. So it comes. So, mm-hmm. so for, it comes from all of us top down. Yep. And it's like, you know, the tip of the arrow has to be the sharpest. Right? Yeah. And then as you go down, it's like, okay, here we are. And and to have um, genuine concern for people, mm-hmm. genuine care for them of what else is going on in their life and while they're here, and um, to not fall into those patterns of you know oh the, of oh now these yeah. these little yeah. groups and because yeah. it, it's us here right it's a we are a team and it might be somebody else's department mm-hmm. but it affects everyone right so where if, you know we can help do whatever so with construction stuff when I came in early I was like okay I've got logistics to finish up and when I'm done what do you need. Right. Yeah, and it's like, oh, hey, we need this. We're gonna paint this. And I'm like, okay, fine. We expected at some point you were gonna just gonna put us to work yesterday. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's still today, Bill. There's, there's, there's plenty of time. And I've seen you with me. a roller, and I, I don't know. It's not pretty. That's so. why. my wife doesn't let me paint at home either. There you go. It's uh, yeah, it's it's not pretty, and I wouldn't trust Dan with anything. Nothing. Nothing. No. One of the th- Casey, one of the things you said is in this environment. Also, I would expect that. Not having those clicks, you just mm-hmm. kind of touched on a little bit. If something's going on in an area that people aren't familiar with, everybody seems ready to rally around that part. Like, for example, if there was a set piece that broke or something like mm-hmm. that, it seems like there would just be everybody sh- like just coming right there to see what they can do to help out. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because it's our episode. Yeah. And yeah. it yeah. benefits everyone. Right. And from how I see it and from working production for as long as I have it's if you keep off you have to offer help first before you can get help yeah yeah and then then when you're offering the help you're building trust with people Mm -hmm. so instead of just trust being given it's being earned yeah right and then you're you're building your history and people know oh okay when that person says hey I'll help you and it gets done then you know that 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 mm-hmm. will happen, and we have so many people who know aspects of track mm-hmm. or their specialized skills. Yeah. Or like you're saying, if something goes wrong, there's a good amount of people that they not only offer to help, but they can help. Yes. Yeah. Because the the empty offer of help, it I mean that's sweet. Right. But then it's it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. however well-intentioned, it, Ex- it means nothing. Exactly, because yeah. it's like, okay, but then being able to go, oh, I yeah. know that. Yeah. I know where that button goes, or I know this, or I can fix that. And having, I always call it kind of a wave of people. Because mm-hmm. that, that first wave comes in. Yep. And then if there's another question, we know there's another wave coming yeah. six seconds from now. Yep. And it's, That's you know, great. and it's not crashing over anybody or anything like that, but it just, it, you go, okay, if I, if I need help, I know there, I have a backup and a backup yep. and a backup. Wow. And so get through. were you a Star Trek fan before you 
came into this? Um, I was when I was really little in uh, elementary school. So I have a brother who's six years older than I am. Mm-hmm. So after school, we'd walk home and on Channel 2 at 4 o'clock, Star Trek was on. Yeah. It sounds familiar, doesn't it, Bill? It really does. It there sounds you. a lot like my story. <laughs> there you go. So with my brother being six years older than me and that age difference, like him wanting or letting me hang out with him during that time was great. Yeah. So I, that became the emotional tie Yeah. for me. Um, and we would do that and then it became uh, I don't I was so young I didn't understand the stories Mm -hmm. but then I kind of started figuring it out and then I I still have it I have two things still at my house I have a um, small communicator that was from the little Oh, like Explorer kit yep. that came? Oh, So yeah. I still have mine from 72. <laughs> it's awesome. busted up. <laughs> but I still have it. And then I have a poster that my parents gave me one Christmas, and it's the, the, the quintessential, the cruise on the transporter mm-hmm. pad yep. poster. Yep. And it's ratted out <laughs> on the sides. And all, but I still have it. Yep, of course you do. And, you know, and it's, it's tucked away. Um, so that show, and... It, yeah, gosh, it could have been any show, right? My, you know yeah. that we want to watch. But that show was, uh, and my brother's really smart, so he was getting certain things from it that I wasn't mm-hmm. at the time. And then um, I really liked it, and I was creative, yeah, on the more creative end and, and stuff. So I was using cardboard boxes and everything to yep. make make stuff as much <laughs> as possible. So that whole thing ties together. And then when I come down here, and we shoot, and all stuff, and then and I go back home, then I I talk to my brother about stuff right. on it. Yeah. And um, you know, I tell him, oh yeah, we're doing this and we're doing that and a lot. And I go, I mean, you remember those decades ago in elementary school? And it's like when we're supposed to be doing our chores and we're watching Star Trek. And then mom would come home. We'd turn the TV off really quick and run around like trying to do the trash. And she'd go over and feel the top of the TV. Busted. Busted. Every time. And it was like, we just laugh. That's awesome. Well, yeah. So... It's it's wonderful, and then for everybody, like when you guys come and you know, and then walking you around, to because when I first came yeah. in and saw the sets, and I, I was like, I just yeah, you need a moment. Yeah, you do. And just things just flood back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it was especially for me. I mean, you know, we've told my story on the podcast right. before. You know, I was, you know, my brother was nine years older than me. Okay. And uh, at dinner time. Star Trek and the Six Million Dollar Man were on competing ah. channels, and I wanted to watch Six Million Dollar Man, and he wanted to watch Star Trek, and he always won because he was the older brother. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell him for years that I secretly loved Star Trek because the fight was what we did. <laughs> yeah. And in '79, when the motion picture came out, he took me to a matinee, and we both fell asleep. <laughs> wow. He does that on the podcast wow. from time to time too. Hmm. <laughs> well, when I'm talking to you, it's really easy. Fifteen minutes of dead air. Wow, that's yeah. a long podcast. Well, it makes a great edit point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, he passed away unfortunately oh. in '96. Oh man! And you know, it was, we were both adults at that point, and mm-hmm. you know, he was living out in Arizona, and you know, I was an adult, and I had recently, you know, gotten married, and we okay. were starting to talk again, and. 
Oh, yeah, we had you know, never really talked about next gen or anything after that. And we were getting ready to come see each other when unfortunately he, he had passed suddenly. And, mm. you know, it's walking the corridors yesterday. I'm like, come on. It's like my brother would have loved you seen this. Yeah. And then immediately came back. It's like, whoa. Yeah. And then seeing the bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, I compared it yesterday to like being a really tiny kid and walking into a giant church for the first time. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, you get that sense of awe-inspiring because you're meant to feel that way. Mm-hmm. They want you to feel like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I felt. There you go. It was all so giant and real, yeah. but yet so tangible. Yeah. I could reach out and touch the oh, navigation yeah. console. You know, I you, Vic you made us. You touched the navigation. I did. I did. <laughs> okay, replace that <laughs> immediately. I want to disinfect that. Oh, trust um. me. As soon as you left, the wipes came out, man. <laughs> so you walked us through initially. Yes. And you know, the first thing we saw was sick bay. Mm-hmm. And it was like we both just had this rush of, oh my god, that's sick bay. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. The fabric. Mm-hmm. The fabric. Yeah. And then we laid on the beds. No, I'm kidding. You laid on the beds? No, no. We wow. I promise. We I, I take back every bit of information for this podcast possible. Non-usable. Non-usable. Armed guards have shown up and we're being escorted. Out. No, and then, and then, of course, when Vic found out that we had walked through, he insisted on taking us through again. Because <laughs> my tour wasn't good enough. Right, right. It was the Mignogna tour. The Mignogna. Mignogna. <laughs> he, he made us sit in the captain's chair. That's cool. And we, we didn't hesitated. want to. Yeah. We were both like, what? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm not sitting in the chair. <laughs> and he, or, he no. practically ordered us yeah. to sit in the chair. And then once you get in the chair, you're like, I'm not getting out of this chair. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this, what, swivels? Mm-hmm. This, this is really good. I'm in the captain's chair. There you go. It was a real nerd, you know, nerd vana moment. Well, it, it's that whole, because when you're used to the four by three, and I mean, you're, you're watching. Yeah. You're watching and you're not embodying the experience and then coming in here. And that's when, like, I was being, taking you guys around. I was purposely trying to shut up at times so that you guys, Could, like, whatever, because yeah. I remembered what I was kind of experiencing. Yeah. And I yeah. go, I just want somebody to just shut up and let me deal because like like you were saying with going you know a church or cathedral type thing I equated it with when my dad took us the first time to Candlestick Park for a baseball game and you hit and you're going through the corridors and it's kind of dark and and you see that white thing and and you come out and that feel the green yeah and you're and you're like oh my god this is huge yeah Yeah. and it's amazing and then when you're here what's uh, that same feeling but a little bit reversed because the sets are small. Right. You know, though, I, I had the opposite. Did you? Okay. I did. And, and I had the opposite with what you were talking about. We're from New England. First time at Fenway Park or the first time at, at um, Sullivan Stadium back in the day or, mm-hmm. or Gillette Stadium Gillette. now for the Patriots. Seeing it on TV, it always looked huge to me like the cam- because of where the cameras are and, mm. and when they're going to show a ground ball, it's like uh-huh. it, it looks like it's a mile before it gets to the second baseman. The first time I got to Fenway Park and I walked up those steps and saw the field, I'm like, this is small. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yesterday, getting up to the bridge, used to seeing it the way that it is on TV, I'm mm-hmm. like, this is bigger than I expected it to be. I I expected it to be smaller. Like you said, yeah, I expected yeah. that. It was reversed for me for some there reason. There you go. Yeah. And one That's of the other things that I felt that I was very interested is you I think you said it, but I know that Vic said it as well is we go there and and and, and the experience is amazing and and he sometimes is concerned that seeing it in person the way it is with the camera and there's no view screen or anything, uh-huh. will take away 
it added to the experience. Yeah, yeah it didn't it take away from it. It adds to it for us. It was really something else. I hear you. Yeah. I hear on that. I, I have had, I mean, working on it, you go, well, has some of the magic gone away? And it's like, well, no, because your memories are still your memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then you make new ones on that, and it, it might change your assessment a little bit, but it doesn't change the past experience that you've had. Right. And like you're saying, so it's like, okay, we're here, and I go, yeah, I mean, I've seen the back of this stuff. You know, I'm in production. I know it. I know things are plywood on the other side. Anything that isn't being shown on camera, I know what's on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuff you ain't going to see. Yeah. So guess what? It ain't painted. <laughs> yes. That's how this stuff yeah. is. Yeah. And you go, and you're like, all right. But then, because I got that too, then when you see where everything's lit up, yeah. and then edited, you, you go, oh, yeah. Yeah. This, yep. this, is, this is the fantasy life magic time. Yep. Where it happens, and oh. Well, as you say that right now, we are sitting behind the engineering set. Yeah. And we're looking at yeah. plywood. Yep. You it's know, gorgeous and, plywood. And but yeah. and plywood. Did you put any of that plywood up? Um, I didn't. I was gonna say because the one that you did looks the best. <laughs> well, yes, I did. I did that one. The plywood with no knots in it. That's mine. Yeah. I cu- I grew that tree. <laughs> I cut it down. You raised it from a sapling. I did. Yeah. <laughs> It loved me singing to it. And then I, I planed it. Would you have sang like Aaron Neville? I don't know much, but I can grow trees. But on the other side of this wall is it's, an engineering set oh that mm-hmm. looks like it's ripped out of 50 years ago. It is. And it's yeah. gorgeous. The forced perspective warp core is oh, it's amazing. beautiful. Amazing. Lit or unlit. Lit, Lit or, or unlit. unlit. That first, yeah, opening the, the double doors and seeing for that, the forced perspective. Yeah. And... And I know, I know <laughs> yeah. it's first perspective. You go, God, that's amazing. What added to me yesterday for we saw it with the tour and, the, and mm-hmm. we've been walking back and forth. But at some point during the day, somebody <laughs> yeah. turned on the yeah. engine room sound yeah. and we first walked <laughs> by <laughs> and I stopped and I was like, that's the engine room sound. Yeah. And so we I thought he was hearing stood things because I didn't hear it yet. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, it is the engine room It's all right, sound. SB. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. SB, yeah. That's what it is for now. But yeah, I mean, when you go, I hear you. Going through and, I mean, seeing the back, it doesn't matter. Yeah. No. And then you go in it and you're like, okay, and having the blueprints and having talented people who know what they're doing right. to put it all together. Yep. And the care. Yeah. And yep. the, you know, oh no, this has to be this. And the nice, the nice little thing of, Getting things right, but not where, you know, you slow everything right. down yep. because of something. But it's like, well, no, get it as right as possible. And then realizing, well, when you go back and you watch certain stuff, yep. and you're like, oh, is that a little bit of a camera flag, maybe, <laughs> that, from the original series? Yeah. You, yep. you just keep going. And, and then realizing, like, oh, oh, yeah, they didn't build seven or eight different quarters for people. Yeah, right. It's just a redress. Yeah, which which but, blew my mind yesterday when we when yeah. saw that. That was a question I had for you. I'm like, mm-hmm. is this the same one? Because it was the only one that we mm-hmm. saw. Like, there's no other hidden sets that we're aware of. Yeah. yeah. So, and, I, and none that I know. <laughs> I hope they're not telling me anything. And yeah, it's, it's amazing <laughs> to think that what you can do with the same set just by redressing it. Mm-hmm. Just, it's, it's amazing. You redress, you light it slightly yep. differently. Yep. You swing walls out to yep. be able to shoot it differently. And it's it's amazing. It's like, well, the corridor. It's that corridor. Yeah. yeah. And I just kept going, like, in my head, I just have a full circle. Yeah. 
Right. Yep. And because I go, no, it's, it's it's just this continuous circle. Yep. And you know, you buy it. You go, yeah. And that's the that's a testament to the work that is done all around with everybody here. Oh my god. Behind the scenes, it's it's something I have always appreciated, mm-hmm. but not to the level that I appreciate it now. Ah, okay. The behind the scenes, the work yeah. that you and the, and everybody does, the camera crew and wardrobe and makeup. I mean, everybody's yeah. right there as soon as there it's needed to make what we see on the screen perfection. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Thank you. It's it's magical. You know, as fans, I mean, Mm -hmm. we are acutely aware of the fact that we are doing something that so precious few people will ever get to do. Yeah. We understand that we're not only guests here, we've hit the the fan lottery. (laughs) Now, I mean, that's that's not hyperbole. I mean, it's not like you guys invite the world to come down. No. You've trusted us to to be in your environment for a couple of days, and we're trying to be stewards Mm -hmm. of that trust. And at the same time, we're going, oh, my God, we're on the bridge of the enterprise. (laughs) You know, and it Uh it doesn't take away from, it enhances all of the magic. You know? No. I I hear you on that. Well, that's part of, I mean, we're glad you guys are here. And you guys have accomplishments with your podcast. And so, you know... We can we can say it's okay. We just had somebody really tiptoe through, and his his whispering is even like this. Sorry, (laughs) didn't mean to tiptoe so loudly. Wow, it's like they got some feet. (laughs) But you know, it doesn't take away from from any of it. In fact, it makes me now when I go back and I'll watch the original series. I'm gonna start thinking of it with a more behind-the-scenes eyes. Like, I'm going to know that the engineering mm-hmm. set probably didn't look not unlike this mm-hmm. behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, or that, hey, they probably just redressed that corridor. Because yeah. I know yeah. they didn't have the money yeah. to build a full circle oh. like they yeah. did in Next Gen. There yeah. you go. Because yeah. it's funny, when you watch Next Gen Enterprise and they're doing long walk-and-talks through the corridors, mm-hmm. you can see they're just snaking through the corridor sets they have. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, wait, where the hell are they going? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> they just pulled a circle. Do they yeah. think we didn't see that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I hear you. <laughs> Absolutely. But no, it's it's beautiful and it's magical and truly we can't thank you, you yeah. guys enough. Oh, no. well, thank you guys for being here. I mean, part of that is having, having people that will appreciate what we're doing and then have people appreciate that, that all, all that you already have for TOS. Mm-hmm. And that that we're hopefully augmenting things, and that it's as we, you know a continuation um, where that it's quality. Um, we make promises and we keep them. Yep. So yeah. it's like when we say, "Hey, episodes are coming out here," that's when they're coming out. Right. Um, and to be able to really, you know, steward what we can. And, and have people who have worked on the original series uh, appreciate it mm-hmm. or compliment yep. or just really, you know, um, give us a thumbs up type of a deal, which then it's, you know, those, those kudos mm-hmm. and stuff help out quite a bit because yeah. then it's like, Wow. I guess this really all is worth it. Yeah, this person <laughs> yeah. said this, this person said that. And then, so then you tie it all together because then when, when fans are saying it and then industry people are saying it. So part of the deal on this where I work with is like uh, dignity, not ego. Mm-hmm. So my ego is like, hey, I'm great at this. 
And the dignity is when somebody says, you know what, you guys, Bill, Dan, you guys are great at this. Because it comes from them. It's their assessment. Oh, no of, one's ever said that <laughs> Well, I know I, I've never said it to him. I was going to be the first to say it. I didn't mean it. Okay. Once but, you can fake sincerity, you've got the rest of life now. Oh, my, absolutely. Bill, I love working with you. See, it just doesn't work. No. No. No, it sounds trite. Jing, jingles, I don't believe you for a second. It just doesn't happen. No. But that coming through from people, and like when you guys come and say, because it's like, all right. You know, you'll know stuff that I don't know. And when you're going, oh, my God, this is making me come back to this. And it's yeah. that go, well, then that's what's coming out from you. And, um, you know, then I go, okay. It's, it's not me saying, I'm great. Yeah. It's no. someone else going, oh, you guys are doing, yeah. you know, doing really well. Yeah. Thank you for that. And then, then the effort and the time is, is way well spent. Oh, amazingly so. I have one set question for you. Sure. What's but only the, one. Only one. And uh, actually, it's a two-parter, so oh, that way I can so get two, two out of it. Oh. <laughs> oh. Actually, it's a quad-parter. <laughs> like a trivia question. With a follow-up. <laughs> for 50 what? points. <laughs> I'll give them both at the same time, so I really have to make you think. Oh, what no, is the funniest <laughs> okay. thing you have seen on set since you've been here? And what is the... Uh oh, moment that you've had on the set. Like an uh oh. Besides Roddenberry slamming into the doors yesterday, because that was okay. So that was that was (laughs) that was pretty funny. Oh gosh. Well, uh, one of the funniest ones that, but I was involved in it. So if uh, have you guys seen all the bloopers? (laughs) bloopers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. I know where you're going with it. So there's a certain scene with McKenna and Sulu. (laughs) Yes, yes. So, in, the, in the mirror episode. Yeah. yeah. So, just see that. I don't think I really need to go into detail about oh that one. But, um, yeah, so that was pretty funny to be part of. Um, I think there's, there's always good little chuckles yep. when... Like, yeah, the doors. It's like, <laughs> you're going to bust your nose if that ain't open. Yep. And you got to be careful. And, you know, with, with people coming in and literally coming in and the yeah. bang, that, that's uh, pretty funny. Uh, Chuck Huber. <laughs> so you no. say his name, we immediately start laughing. See, I call him the Bones. He's told us. Yes, he has See, told us I, that. I, yep. And I and capital B O N Z. Okay, Z, the Bones. And oh my god, that dude is it's he like, an escaped mental patient? He could be. I just don't ever allow him to have caffeinated anything. Cause man, whirling dervish. <laughs> He is just on and on and on, and he's he's so funny. And I guess the the bad thing about that is there are so many other funny, talented people that really. I mean, hey, yeah, we're going through, and then you know, one quip happens or one little joke, and it's, then it's, it's, it's like, okay, here comes the next five minutes. Of yeah, we ain't getting nothing on camera. <laughs> That's usable, <laughs> but oh man, it's going to be funny. And then you check everyone's makeup because it's like, okay, are people starting to laugh and yep. cry a little bit yep. on the things? Um, <laughs> I love Chuck. I oh, we do too. Oh, we do too. God, he's amazing. And then 
The second part of your quad question was the, uh, like an uh-oh the moment. Part of the quad question. <laughs> I'll get two more questions. Then. No. Oh. Oh, <laughs> glad I went to the bathroom before this interview. <laughs> Oh, maybe I didn't. Um, <laughs> or right now. No, I don't think you did. I don't. Hold on, guys. Wait. Okay, okay. okay. Now it's um, awkward. Like an uh-oh, scary or like, bad or... That's going to piss somebody off moment? Or is the director going to go through the roof in a second type thing? I think the only thing that really is kind of happening on that is it has been like weather-related. Ah. Because mm. we're, we have... Yeah. I mean, it's a metal roof. It's a two-and-a-half-story building. But it's a metal roof. Yep. And, you know, weather comes. Mm-hmm. And if there's a little bit of rain, that's fine. Yeah. But then when the rain comes down, yep. we just have to stop yep. for a while. Yeah. Which, it happens. Right. And everybody's mood is good. And it's like, well, okay. Right. I mean, what's the sense in wasting your energy being yep. mad about something we can't possibly yep. control? Yep. Right. And so that's really that's good. kind of been it because everything is set, everything else is ready. I mean, um, Vic has worked the train situation and very well in a couple he, bloopers. He, yeah, he has, <laughs> and and we've we've really lucked out on that just because not too many trains yeah. coming by. But I would think just any time we do stunt. So there was the stunt uh, with Pilgrim with Kim flying over yeah yep. the rail yep. yeah, and it's it was like oh, okay. Hey, we're going to be doing that. Yep. And I mean, we're, we're practically doing it. Yep. Right. So, but we had all the safety stuff ready to go mm-hmm. and people there to catch her and mattresses and all this stuff. Yep. So it was like, uh, and that, was, that goes back to planning and everything. It's like, yep. okay, so if we're going to do this, what are we going to do? And since we have Ruben Langdon with us, stunt coordinator, mm-hmm. and he's worked with a ton of great people. Yeah. yeah. And I believe he studied with Jackie Chan. Oh, wow. I could be wrong about this, but... We'll just say he did. Okay, so he, he studied true. with Jackie Chan. He went to elementary school with Jackie Chan. Uh, <laughs> so did Dan. I thought that was Methuselah. Wow. <laughs> but, I'm going to compliment you there for a second. Or yeah. whoever. <laughs> I am Brahms. <laughs> You're Leah Brahms. There you go. Honest. There you go. But yeah, but Ruben... And and when we have stunts and stuff with when, with Lou Ferrigno, right? And oh, yeah. Ru- Ruben's core and Ruben's amazing, and really knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So anything that could have been, and uh, it was, yep. it's like no, we're, we plan through here. He's he's got credits and accomplishments, mm-hmm. and is very conscious of not only safety, but everyone's abilities yep. or level of abilities. Yeah. Um, on that. Um, so really, we just, it's, it's, you know, it's like if you go in for a test and you studied yep. for mm-hmm. like four hours yep. and I mean, and you go, okay. And you go in and you go, oh, four hours and you go, wow, that test was, that test was tough. But then if you had studied for four weeks, mm-hmm. you know, up to the test and yep. you go in and you fly and you go, that was nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. so easy. I was like, well, yeah, cause it was the preparation. Right. And you gave it the respect that it deserves. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing here. So that when you get there, it isn't, you know, we are not going to do crazy time. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and we don't. And it's like, if something is weather related, okay, times get pushed back. But it's like, no, you take care of the body mm-hmm. and everybody's fresh and ready to go. And we are going to have, you know, 10 hour days. Yeah. 
And so that's what we prep for. And, uh, you know, with the directors doing shot sheets beforehand. Yep. And, and previs and all of that. And, you know, rehearsals, well, if stuff is getting lit, have the rehearsals. Yep. And go through. And having backups and redundancy ready to go because yep. something oh, yeah. will go wrong. Yep. Right. What, we don't know or when, but it's when that light blows out, it's like, okay, yep. we've got the other light ready to go. We've got all that other stuff ready to go. And not a problem. Yeah. So or, that'd be awesome. good. So Bill, you get to ask a question now since Dan, Dan. I'll give you a few seconds to think because I know it takes you a while to come up with these. Wow. Now, this is Casey. He has helped us all week. Be all nice. Week. All week. Uh, well, it feels like a week because it's been so fun. So well, it's like a vacation. It feels like oh. 20 years whenever I travel. <laughs> We're probably good to wrap up. We're at about forty oh, minutes. Wow! Oh, okay. No, a, we got a whole episode. Oh, what do you for want to, you, whatever you want to do, my man. <laughs> no, I figured that you know it's that's a good amount of content. We're probably cut it up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And interspersed because I, it's it's almost becoming like a a one or two part like sort of docu audio podcast. Yeah. Of sorts. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Fantastic. you know because we figure that we're going to just tell the story of of our visit probably over I would guess a couple of episodes so we can use the audio various places and you know Why not? it works okay. if we get a chance and this is uh-huh. only if it's available it's nothing I would want to ask any special thing for if there's a chance at some point today where the bridge is still lit uh-huh. I would love it for us for the album one of the album covers to have you in the captain's chair and us standing on the sure. other side of you that would be awesome okay. we can be making faces at you you can like, be making faces oh, different faces us. than the ones you have right now <laughs> I'm always, well, trying, to think, I'm always wow. trying to think of what would be a good album what cover. What face? Bill's giving me that face. I don't, I don't, have, I don't have a face. <laughs> There's no face. <laughs> Casey's high. Wow. Thank, uh, thank God this is audio only. <laughs> uh, that's for a variety of reasons. Quite honestly. In, in all seriousness, it has been an unbelievable honor and privilege for you guys to invite us into this special place. I, I said to Vic last night, and I, I said to, uh, I think I was talking to Kat as well. In all seriousness, this is probably one of the top three days of my life oh. that I can remember. Oh, Married gosh. being the first one. You don't even know what the second one is. No, I'm, I, don't, I don't know how to put it. He's, I was going to compliment you about but that's, that's not on the top. But this, it's right up there. I can't think. As we said, we said this to you actually yesterday. If, if we were only able to be here for an hour yesterday, mm, mm-hmm. we would have been as happy as could be. But, oh, there you go. But for everything that has happened, it has been uh, something that we will not forget ever. And it has been an amazing experience. Well, right on. I mean, our pleasure. Yeah. Thank you guys no. for being here. You know, the really cool thing about that entire conversation, Dan, is that you can literally hear the formation of a friendship right in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that 100% is why that audio will always truly be special to me, man. Yeah, uh, when we were sitting down to talk to him and and we would trade off on questions, before it started, I'm like, okay, new person, doesn't know our style, because even during the interview, we're giving each other crap like we always do, because that's just the way we are. He fit right into it, and as the conversation went on, I'm like, I'm not going to have any problem asking this guy anything, because he's just so... He's so laid back and cool. Having the responsibility that he has on that production and to still be as laid back and honest and nonchalant about stuff the way he was with us really showed what a stand-up and stand-out individual this guy is. And 
he's fantastic. And we're not just blowing smoke. I mean, we really mean it. He is, he's someone who we have stayed in contact since that trip. And we look forward to seeing him in Vegas every year. And when we do, we always have a great time. It's, it's the kind of thing where we don't see him enough. I literally yeah. hear from him every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm always glad to. Um, it's I, we have a great time even just talking through chat. Um, but he he generally is. And when I think of all the things that happened during that weekend, knowing that we've gained a brother for life mm-hmm. um, is the kind of thing that that really makes everything um, even better. Quite yeah, honestly, absolutely. So the worst part about this trip, Dan. Um, was was that we'd have to leave and we knew it all day long and that time came a lot quicker than we thought it would. Yeah, it, it really did. And one of the things I remember the most is we talked a little while ago about walking the corridors before filming had resumed with lunch and, and it was dark. But one of the things that really stood out to me is when we were there for day one and we were on the bridge and, and Vic was there and he yelled up into the ceiling, light it up or something like that. And all the power on the bridge came on. It was awesome. Later on, on day two, when we were getting ready to leave, you and I went to the bridge and nobody was around and everything was turned off. No lights, no panels, no spotlights, nothing. It was just an empty, dead set. And I stood in the back at the turbo lift doors and just looked out across everything. And I started crying because it was like, I don't want to leave this place. And it really was it was really hard i mean we all you know we knew we were leaving but we also knew that like i guess in in the nexus from star trek generations part of us is always going to remain there man uh we'd always feel a tie to this company and to these sets as happy as we were to get home to our families and our wives and our puppies we we really were sad that we would probably never experience this again um and sadly, it seems that no one else will anymore either, I'm afraid. You know, today, the care and feeding of those sets belongs to a different group of people. In February of 2018, a new ownership group took control of the sets and branded them as Stage 9 Studios, and they made them available for fan films, later rebranding them as new, uh, rebranding the space as Neutral Zone Studios after they received a cease and desist, or received a cease and desist from a company mm-hmm. called Stage 9. Um these days, Neutral Zone is morphing into Galactic Adventures. Now, the plan was to move the sets to Orlando, Florida to open a sci-fi-themed escape room attraction. While the bridge would have still remained intact, the rest of the sets would have been carved up to make the attraction. Since they didn't have a license from CBS to do anything Star Trek related, they kind of had to make things more generic. So it was going to be a sci-fi escape room and not a Star Trek escape room. They had started crowdfunding and hoped to raise a minimum of $100,000, but the response was incredibly lackluster, seeing potential investors pledge just over $25,000. Wow. Now, as for Star Trek Continues, they finished their shortened run of 11 episodes in November of 2017. All of these episodes remain 100% free to view either on the Star Trek Continues website or on YouTube. Uh, much like the cast and crew of the original series, they have all moved on to other projects and back to their normal everyday lives. While we can only hope that this amazing group of creative, creative people can do another project together someday. We're always going to consider them part of our Trek family and remain in awe of the literal perfection that they created in continuing the five-year mission of the original series. 
So we offer our sincere thanks to Wyatt Lenhart, Grant Imahara, and to our dear, dear friends, James Kerman and Casey Shafsky, and the entire cast and crew of Star Trek Continues. And we sincerely apologize to them for taking so long to tell the second half of this story, their story, because it was one that was absolutely worth telling. Dan, another story absolutely worth telling is... Speaking of another five-year mission, the band ah. five-year mission. How do you like them <laughs> you did the apples? <laughs> That's some good apples, man. I like apples. apples um, yummy. <laughs> they're writing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Wow. Um, yeah, year five. They got to be starting to talk about it now. They get year one through four out. They got Spock's brain trouble with Tribbles. But they are every last bit of music you hear on the Trek Geeks podcast and across the Trek Geeks podcast network, honestly, where they themselves have the eponymously named five-year mission, the podcast. Wow. That's awesome. I guess whoever wrote that one gives them an Oscar or an Emmy or a Tony or something, some kind of award. Maybe just a martini. So head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Please get all their albums shipped to you on CD, get that physical media in your hands and just become huge fans of the band as we are ourselves. It's fiveyearmission.net. Hey, Bill. Yeah. You remember the episode Mirror Mirror, don't you? The original uh, series? Uh, no, tell me about it. It's a fantastic episode. I don't want to tell you about that one. You should know it. If you're a real Star Trek fan, you know it, but whatever. Um, it's funny that we're talking about this right now, about Star Trek Continues, because they did a Star Trek Continues episode, and it picks up right where Mirror Mirror left off. Spock plans to rebel against the Empire in a quest for better music, but first he has to plot against Kirk to take control of the Enterprise. Scary stuff, man. Will he be able to convince the entire band to join his rebellion? Or will he face the murderous captain on his own? Check it out. It's free on YouTube and on Star Trek Continues. It's the mirror universe in all its glory. Farkest of them all. Wow. That episode does not exist on the Star Trek Continues website. It does website. not exist on the Star Trek Continues website or on YouTube. Yeah. It's all in this little space right here, baby. But it was really good, nonetheless. That, that's an incredibly small space in that <laughs> cranium of yours that comes up with these things uh, each and every week. And it will continue to do so. Oh, great. <laughs> Dan, we want to remind everyone listening that you can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network via Patreon. There you can see the new designs for both our annual supporters pin and our annual t-shirt for 2020, as well as get unedited audio of all of our podcasts, along with some additional perks there, Dan. Absolutely. But right now, we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. So thank you, Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, Jim McMahon, Luke Burnham, Eric Sakian, Lisa Tomlinson, Jamie McGregor, William Edward M. Jr., and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's very gracious and very wonderful. Yes, thank you. Uh, We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Ken Tripp, some guy named Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Eric Extreme, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, Kyle Castillo, Chaz Bradshaw, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. 
You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Network, and it is so easy to do. Just head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week, we're going to continue our year-long celebration of Voyager 25 with a deep dive into an episode that we just discussed a couple of weeks ago in Season 3, See It or Skip It, with Allie Martinez. Yeah, we sure did, man. And if memory serves, all three of us, three of us gave it a thumbs up. See it. Go watch it. Uh, after Janeway's apparent death, she's greeted by her father to guide her through the afterlife. Or is she, Bill? Dun, dun, dun. Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> in just seven days, we're going to tackle an interesting episode with some really great char- character moments. It's Coda next week on Trek Geeks the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, please check out our other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You can find them all, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 220 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Look at this coconut. So filled with inspiration. I can't sing it because, you know, so I just figured I'd say it. Are coconuts filled with inspiration? They are. I I would submit not until you add the rum. Is it? It's like Schrodinger's cat. You really don't know if it's filled with inspiration until you open it. I'm willing to bet it's not until the rum hits it. (laughs) (laughs) Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com. Bing bong. Bing bong, baby. Welcome back. Hey, how are you? Good. How was your holiday weekend? It was awesome. Yeah. Weather was great. Um, had a, a, we actually got to go visit the sister and brother-in-law and did some social distancing out on the deck uh, because they expanded their deck to almost twice the size it was before. So oh, wow. it was pretty awesome. Yeah. We, it, the weather was really great. The dogs loved it. They liked seeing Lily and it was good. 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 How about you? Did you do anything fun? Um, I didn't do anything, which was awesome. That's that can be fun. I loved it. Well, so um, there you go. This past weekend, I tried Xbox a little, and here's the thing. Oh boy, here we go. I love the fact that you can just pay for a game through your gaming console and download it. But it takes. I have I have high speed internet. I mean, mm-hmm. my internet is blazing fast. Yeah, it took an hour to download the game. I'm like, guys, this didn't happen when I had to put the disc in. Hey, yep. Exactly. I could start playing and it would download stuff in the background, Yep. but I didn't have to wait for all of this crap to happen. Yeah. It's just uh, downloadable it, content makes me want to gouge my eyes out. To the Jedi game? No, I actually don't. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked with Alexander Sadig. Yes. Uh, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> He's been playing the Division 2 mm-hmm. Tom Clancy game. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was nine ninety nine oh. in the Xbox store this weekend. So I said, the game's over a year old. I got to do that. You got to hook up with Sid and go kill some bad guys? Uh, well, that's the thing. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to play. Well, that's right. It's still downloading probably right now. It took forever to download the damn game. <laughs> wow. That's funny. 
But I did let Sid City know that I was downloading it, and it absolutely was Sid's fault. <laughs> Very nice. Did you see that he had a family reunion on Sid City last week? I did. That was great. Nana and Django and himself. That's That must have been a lot of fun. I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to have to check it out. That's pretty it's, cool. It's pretty awesome. I, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting that... Um, the technology can unite us like that. I mean, yeah. we've taken it for granted. I mean, you and I have been doing these types of things for five years now. Yeah. Yep. When you lived in Maine and when you live, you know, here in New Hampshire, um, we get on a on a, a conference and we record it and mm-hmm. we do this every single week. And um, it's fascinating to see how people are responding to it all over the world. As I got to say, selfishly, I've taken advantage of it also, and I had a family reunion of sorts um, when you know before we had gone and, and visited my sister and brother in law. We'll do a we'll do a um, a meeting with with Donna and Chris, and then we also pulled in my parents who were down in Florida still one weekend for a couple of hours, and my brother jumped on, and my niece. It was awesome, and it's and it's like okay, we don't do this when we're together. And we're here. We are all of us now, unless it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, and it's, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So um, well, good. Yeah, I'm glad that you got the chance to do that. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, you know, you're fantastic, Bill. Your face is fantastic. Wow. Wow. Um, Daniel. Uh huh. We're going to talk to Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's all you, baby. This is all you again. Just like Sid. You're taking over my job. I'm feeling pretty, you know, like I'm useless around here. And I well, know that I am, but now I'm feeling it. So well, I just, It's glad that the feelings finally caught up to you. <laughs> oh, this um, is, oh, my God. This is going to be so great. So here's how that went down. Okay. I, initially, I went to CBS, and I asked for permission to speak with Anson Mount or Ethan Peck or Rebecca Romaine um, for a charity live stream. Um, since Strange New Worlds was just announced, I figured the timing would be great. People are still very high about this series, very mm-hmm. positive. I figured it would be great, especially knowing um, what Star Trek means to people. Right. And they came back and said, nope, sorry, can't do it. Mm-hmm. I said, well, can you do anything for us? Is there anyone you can give us from Discovery? And we heard literally nothing back. So at that point, I contacted um, a, a an online friend um, who uh, I, I've known for a couple of years. Great guy. He does some writing. And um, I asked if there was any way he could get me Jonathan Frakes' contact info. Because Frakes was, you know, if we, we weren't going to do something topical or, or current, mm-hmm. yep. I, I thought of, well, who from the next gen would we want to get? And I immediately thought of Frakes, and so I took a chance. We got Frakes' agent info within the hour. Awesome. Wow. Um, after he chatted with Jonathan. And when I emailed the agent the next day, we heard back within an hour <laughs> that Jonathan would love to do the live stream and help us out. Wow. Um, all based on the fact that we're raising money for Feeding America and the money's mm-hmm. going solely to them. We don't ever see it. Um, and we just want to try to do some good and feed some people who could use it. I want to like when when we when we like welcome him. I want to kind of like stroll in. I wish I had like a a wireless and I'd like do a Riker sit down in my chair like he used to do and be like, "Hey, Jonathan, what's up?" With your <laughs> luck, you would oh. t- you'd mess it up and and go ass over tea kettle, as my mom would say. <laughs> Hit the microphone, it breaks on the floor, the monitor cracks, and then I can't be part of the fun. Now we see your feet sticking up, <laughs> and we hear yeah. this. Ow! Ow! Honey! Ow! <laughs> Yeah, uh, 
I can't, yeah, you know, this is so strange. Of course, Star Trek is the thing with him, you know, and I can't wait to talk to him about it. But you know what I'm looking forward to talking to him about the most right now? I do, based you on do our know. conversation. I uh, can't wait to talk to him about North and South. <laughs> and, and his wife, Jeannie, because I love Jeannie Francis. I used to watch General Hospital back well, in the Laura days. Let's be honest. We really care about Jeannie. So why don't we get her on instead? <laughs> Jonathan, can you just bring her over to the camera so I can say hi? Thanks, pal. Can you just pan right? Uh, go, go take a bathroom break or something. We'll be fine. <laughs> Get Frakes. some more gum. <laughs> Frakes is also a Red Sox fan. Awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. He likes um, New England. Um, yeah, he does. Although yeah. I I think he, he's been a Red Sox fan for quite a long time. Well, he's um, a smart man too then. Uh, he's not if he's coming on our show. Well, that's all you, baby. So if he's... No, I'm not going to call him stupid. <laughs> I was going to say, I was gonna say, so if he's stupid, it's your fault. But that doesn't sound right. So... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. That never changes, right? Never. There never once. And that's what makes the show so fun. You're into admitting a whole bunch of stuff this week that I'm just not used to. I'm not prepared for this. Well, you know. You're essentially admitting to everybody you suck. I, pff, I've known that for years. <laughs> Dude, the rest of us have known it for a lot longer. Oh, well, I understand that. But you know what? The first step to uh, getting back on track is to admit everything. So, yeah. It's, Don't think that's quite how that goes, but let's let you all live right. in that delusion. Uh, hey, if that helps me get back on track and right the ship and all that crap, then okay. No. <laughs> you, no, no, no. You're not uh, right. You'd be nothing without me. <laughs> I can just see it. Someday you're going to put your consciousness into an Android body. And become the egotist, uh, sort of huh? self-loving wow. uh, Ira Graves type, and somebody's not <laughs> going to be able to wait to beam you into space, and oh. I hope it's me. Okay. I, I got to say, you know what? With all my flaws, and, and I'm dumb and ugly and everything you are. like that. Yeah. You are all those things. Who else on the planet Earth would make you laugh at one in the morning by breaking out into Aaron Neville in a hotel room? Right? Am I right? I'm right. At that point, I kind of felt like a, a torture victim. You know, I felt like there was some Stockholm syndrome setting in. I had to laugh because it was the only way I was going to get you to shut up. But the best part is, is it could, it was, it was like pitch dark for an hour. You're over there on your iPad. I'm trying to go to sleep. You turn off the iPad. You know, you, you, you put on the white noise. You lay back. It's silent with the exception of the, the fan noise. And the next thing I hear is, Look at this man. <laughs> and you just start cracking up. It's not even like I pissed you off. You just start laughing. I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when. <sighs> I thought I was safe when I rolled over and to go to sleep. No, I had tears in my eyes the whole nine. Because essentially, when we do sleepaway camp, we're 12. <laughs> and you know what? That's the best part. I said that to my wife yesterday i think what's, what's today monday i think yes. so yesterday we were on our drive with the dogs and we were talking about something and i just started laughing because i laugh at my own stupid jokes because that's what life is all about yep and i look at her and i go you know what 50 year old body i'm always going to be 12 in here baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's about what it is yeah it's, um i i'm proud to be 12 yes um i think i'm having a better 12 year old as an adult than um, than the real 12. Than I was at 12, <laughs> I'll, I'll drink to be to honest. I'll drink that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking water to that. Well, so am I. I've got, I've got water. Oh. <laughs> uh. All right. Anyway. All right. Well, um, 
Yeah, so uh, June 11th, mm, 8.30 p.m., live on YouTube and Facebook um, simultaneously. Our conversation with Jonathan Frakes to benefit Feeding America. Go to trekgeeks.com slash donate for more information um, and, to, and to donate. What am I going to wear? The Nothing. Wear nothing. <laughs> okay. I dare you. I double dog dare you. No, I will not do that to Jonathan. I don't want him to laugh at me. Commander Riker, <laughs> it's too soon for this. Because <laughs> that's what I want to be able to say. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to sit down naked. He's going to go, shield up. <laughs> it's gonna like, <laughs> Chief, get me out of here. <laughs> wow. Coconut.